Hey up everyone, welcome to Yorkshire Gamers, a Reap Big War Games podcast, and episode 24. And uh, the interview section will be coming up very shortly, and today we're going to be talking with Ian McDonald of Flags of War, and um, we're going to be talking about his flags, strangely enough, and also his new figure ranges. And in true Yorkshire Gamer style, we'll um, zip around all over the place and uh, ended up with a extended chat about fish and chips and how they differ throughout the UK. So I'm sure you'll all look forward to that. In other news, um, I had a fantastic trip down to the War Games Holiday Centre uh, last weekend. Uh, we talked about that a little bit in the previous episode with Mark Freeth. And um, there was about 16 players down there, huge 30-foot table, 3,000-plus 28mm Italian Wars figures, and uh, we had a really, really nice weekend. A um, couple of games on the Friday night, Saturday night, leading up to a big bash on the on the Sunday. And it was all played in a fantastic spirit. There was lots of... Uh, People there who'd not played Italian Wars before. Um, there was uh, a young lad, um, sorry, two or three young lads, one who'd come with his dad, which was absolutely lovely to see. And um, I met up with some people that I knew via the internet uh, prior to uh, the weekend, but I hadn't met in person, including Mark and Chris Cornwall and Nigel Appleby. Uh, it was an absolutely lovely time. At the end of it, there's uh, an award, uh, the Don Featherston Award, which was awarded to um, the most gentlemanly player for the weekend. And would you believe it, um, I was voted that person. So I've, uh, I've got my name on that trophy, uh, which is a real, real honour. I'm on that with Charlie Wesencraft, would you believe, was the first uh, recipient, so I'm very, very proud of that. Um, I had a wonderful time, and I sat next to Robbie Roddis uh, for most of the game, uh, and Robbie was the Pope, because he self-elected himself as the Pope, obviously, so I am one of the few people who can say that they have served under Pope Roddis I. Um, it was a right laugh and a really, really good weekend. And what, to me, Wargaming should all be uh, about. Those huge tables with the loads of figures, with the banter, with the chat and with the friendliness. Um, no competition, nobody that bothered if they're going to win or lose, but everyone having a really good time. So uh, thank you very much to Mark Freeth for organising that, to Chris Cornwall, to supplying the figures and doing a lot of the organising as well and to uh, Nigel Appleby who supplied a, a big uh, Florentine uh, contingent uh, to take part in the uh, event. I supplied a uh, painted vignette for the charity auction on the Saturday night at the event which uh, the proceeds have went to combat stress and Ukraine relief and uh, my vignette raised £80 which was absolutely fantastic uh, for that I haven't got a total figure of how much was raised um, but some items went for a pretty large amount of money um, and uh, all in a good cause and it was an absolutely fun time
By the time the next issue comes out, or the next episode comes out on the second week of May, uh, I'll have been to uh, CrackCon 2, the Plastic Crack podcast uh, event. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I've lined up Martin and Steve from the Plastic Crack podcast to come on as guests uh, in the, the, the episode after that one, um, having had Ken and Dom on previously. So looking forward to that event and uh, meeting all the guys in person but enough of me rattling on it's uh, time for our interview and um, let's go and have a chat with Ian and uh, see how things are with him so without further ado here's interview Well, welcome to the interview section of episode 24 of the Yorkshire Gamer podcast. And today we've got another treat for you as we talk to someone who's been supplying flags to Yorkshire Gamer for many a year. And you'll have seen his work flying high above many of my pipe blocks, my Crusader Knights and much more. My guest resides in sunny Scotland, so he's definitely north of Nottingham. In fact, he's north of Yorkshire. If you want a flag for your troops, my guest is the place to go. From Irish Renaissance to Italian Wars of Independence, from the Crusades to the modern day, this lad's got it all covered. But now, not only has he done that, he's moved into the world of 28mm figure manufacturing. The crazy guy. We'll get, we'll get the, the thoughts behind that in a minute. Um, he's got ranges from gangs of New York to the gangs of Scotland when he's talking about the Jacobite Rebellion. Kickstarter is in motion for the War of Austrian Succession and uh, some Border Reavers that yours truly has painted up and uh, put on his blog. So if you want to relive the days of the 45, be a warrior on the New York subway or just something cool flying over your units, then this lad is your man. So let's give a Reap Big War Games podcast welcome to Ian MacDonald of Flags of War. Are you Ian? Are you all right, mate? I'm very good, Ken. Thank you very much for having me. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to be on this given i'm a long time listener so oh well, that, that's fantastic um, that is fantastic i have to say that well we're going to talk about many many things over the next uh, hour to two hours however long it takes us there's no <laughs> there's no there's no shortcuts on this program um and um but the first thing that we do with everyone and uh, is we get them to kind of give us a um a bit of a hobby uh, introduction, how they got yeah. into the hobby, what they did, etc. Um, but rather than boring our audience to death for doing it for two hours, you've got four minutes. So how does that sound? Sounds good. <laughs> have you practiced? I have, I have. You know, oh, <laughs> I've not practiced. I've had a, a little run through of my uh, You've had a thing? History. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Well, um, then regulars of the show will know that uh, as it comes to the end of the four minutes, the music from Countdown will come on. And then if they keep going, uh, they just won't shut up. D.I. Regan from the Swede, comes on and he, he puts an end to it all. So when you're ready, mate, I'm going to press the button now. Four minutes. Um, so I, I was quite a latecomer to Wargaming. It wasn't until um, roughly my 20s, but I, I was always... Prior to that, it was my, my main interest was always miniature figures, um, mostly plastic figures. Um, my dad was um, heavily involved with the English Civil War Society when I was growing up, so I would travel all over with him and his Covenanter regiment all the way <laughs> down to England and doing various events. Down in, and I always 
I remember being down at one of the events down in Ripon, um, and we yeah, actually yeah, just down I, the road from me. Yeah, I actually went and went to one of the tents, and I found these cult of arms English Civil War figures, and I was like, oh, um, and I basically kept on buying all these boxes of figures off the guy, and then from that, it just kind of kept on growing. Um, I moved into um, the temple models. Um, for the Napoleonic Wars, and it, I started to try and take an interest in painting them. It was that nothing but a disaster, um, not knowing anything about priming figures, just basically buying um, these enamel paints and trying to paint tartan on these Napoleonic <laughs> figures straight on to the plastic. Um, so it was a bit of a disaster. And then um, later on in life, I kind of got... Um, it was actually when the, the the Lord of the Rings magazines came out um, for the games workshop, so I started getting into them, painting them. Um, but it was never I never had much of an interest in gaming until a little bit later on when um, my daughter was born. Um, so I, we were quite young when we had her; I was twenty one, and then I, I needed a hobby because I wasn't going out to the pub as much. So <laughs> um, I, I I basically started buying some foundry figures and contacting various guys about painting them with no much interest in gaming. Um, and it wasn't until I contacted one of my local clubs, Glasgow District um, War Game Society, and Dave Watson. Uh, basically said why don't you come along and kind of introduced me to start playing gaming and from that I just started building armies um, and then I started making flags for these armies and and then it just kept on continuing and now I've got many friends in the hobby um, play a lot of different various different games different back periods and backgrounds and stuff so um, and now we are where we are with various miniatures, ranges, ideas, rules, flags. <laughs> to, to spinning far too many plates in the hobby while trying to can do a full-time job as well as having three kids to bring up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're, two, you're two minutes 52 there. Are, are, you, right. are you quite happy with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely. Well, we're going to talk a, a lot about a lot of those things that you talked about in a lot more detail um, as we yeah. go along. Um, so you, you mentioned um, club in Glasgow. There is yeah. that. Um, is that your current club? Is that where you game? No. At the moment? Um, so I'd moved away from GWS um, because you'll never meet like biweekly on a Sunday, mm. and it wasn't it wasn't certain. So I'm a member of a club, and it was actually there last night. It's Glasgow. It's called the G Three Club, Glasgow Gaming. Okay, um, and I was playing my, my new game there last night with one of my friends, Mike. Um, but there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of clubs in Glasgow. Well, as with anything, everybody, mm. one club starts and then another club splinters from it, and next thing you've got four different clubs, but they all just do the exact same thing. So it's yeah. <laughs> is, there, is is there a war game show in Glasgow? I've, well, there what there used to be one. We um, the Phoenix War Games Club used to do a show, um, then that stopped. Um, they did Wappenshaw, um, and then the Glasgow, my club, they did mm. a show just before COVID. Um, yeah. And because of everything that's happened, it's not been able to go again. Um, and the, 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 we've had a lot of problems in terms of um, the club getting a building and stuff for our current club. Yeah. Um, one of the, the, the community centre that they were using has been... It's, it's closed it's like but it's getting bought over so there's different contracts and stuff so the 
it's just the difficulties of getting locations and stuff. And you've, it's, some of the clubs, in, you know, the Falkirk Club are the same. They had to cancel mm. their show this year because of issues with COVID still in place. Thankfully, the Edinburgh show is going ahead. Um, so so uh, Falkirk is Carronade, if I'm right. Falkirk's Carronade, yeah. yeah. Edinburgh shows Claymore, so that one's going ahead. Carronade yeah. was cancelled, and those are two, those are the two. Those are two really good shows. Yeah, I've um, back back in the sort of eighties and nineties, I was a a regular at Claymore. We would always put um, right. a game on there, um, and we used to love it. But it, you look back for when you were younger, and you get up at like four o'clock in the morning yeah. and drive round Leeds and no pick problem. everyone up, pack a massive game in, drive up to Scotland, play it all day and yeah. then drive back again. And that's, that's, that's like, I'm going down to, I'm going to Partizan with a stall, but I'm going, it's like a three day trip. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having it, I'm taking the wife and everything. I was like, I'll take you for dinner. And then, oh, so. well, that'll be, we'll talk about your border reavers later on, but it'll yep. be a bit like that. You'll be raiding over the border, won't you? You'll be, yeah. raiding, <laughs> you'll be raiding as far south as Newark, which I get so. my, get my money and back up the road. Oh, well, that's good. Um, and just before we do go a bit further, um, um, for anyone south of Newark, um, I'm going to apologise now because obviously you've got a Yorkshireman and a Scotsman talking, so um, you might want to wait for the YouTube version when there's some subtitles. When they used to show Taggart down in, down in England. Oh, uh, yeah, murder. Murder. <laughs> That's all I can remember from that show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what you have you got a setup at home? Do you do any gaming at home? Then where's your? I do have a setup. I've got. Um, I used to have a, a bigger room, um, but then I had another son, so <laughs> we yeah. had to we, we had to move. So I've got a smaller room now, but I've still got a three by three table that I play some of my smaller games on. Yeah, and anything bigger normally we. We'll meet up with friends to play somewhere else, but um, the three by three allows me to do some what I what I need to do. Yeah. Um, and if we need to go elsewhere, my friend, my friends have got like summer houses and stuff, and oh. we, or sometimes we organise it just in various halls to play bigger games. Yeah. Knowing knowing rich rich war gamers is always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's. there's <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely something in that because there's, there's, there's some guys that have got really big collections. I'm always like, oh, wouldn't mind going up to see what they've yeah. got in the, the, the rooms. But to be honest, there's not there's not many guys that I know quite locally like that. It's probably yeah. further afield. Yeah, I'm, ve- I'm very lucky. I mean, I've got a lot of big collections here and we, we game here. But um, so, what's your what's your bag then when it comes to gaming? What's your your periods that you enjoy? Um, pretty much, I, I have certain interests, and um, mostly stuff that was brought up with my father. As I said, my dad had an, an interest in English Civil War society, so I had a big interest for that for yeah. English Civil War, specifically the, the involvement of the Covenanters. Like a few years back, we was doing like a big Marston Moore project and stuff that that was always a big interest because of the involvement of the Covenanters with the Song League, um, and then you, the other big interest is probably the French Indian War. All right, um, I've got a big interest in that. 
as like the Battle of Quebec has always been the dream to to try and do as a full table. It's not a huge battle. Well, you're only talking what about five and a half thousand. Is, it, is that the one where Gen- General Wolf was? Killed? Yes. Uh, yeah. I climbed I, the heights but... of. Climbed yeah, the heights I, of Abraham. I I have been to that battlefield. Have you? I've many heard, years. A few friends have been. Yeah. I've always, it's always been on my list. It's um, bloody tiny. It yeah. really is small. It's um I that think a one. Few, a bit of it's away now, isn't it? Yeah. Um. That and Cludden's the same. When you when you go up yeah, to Cludden, it's, it's, it's only half of it. Yeah. That's the problem they've got up there just now. Is them they're trying to someone continuously try to buy the land um, to develop housing on it, but half of the battle's never been excavated. Oh, so, right, yeah. So basically they're turning around and saying there's, there's potentially, there's there's graves, there could be yeah. anything over yeah. there. Um, and there's, there's like big campaigns to try and stop it because they're just... Con- if you've ever been up to Inverness, there is tons and tons of spare land. I, I was going to say... They, they just want this one bit. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> You've you've got. Our, our, we stayed we stayed up in uh, a place um, called Tane, which is even further north than Inverness on holiday. And I remember coming down to Inverness and this this is lovely. And were you saying then there's just land everywhere. Yeah, you you you're really not, and it's not like shit land with with, yeah. with, with loads of factories on and stuff like. That. Oh. There's land everywhere. So it, why why anyone would want to build? I don't know if it's the idea of trying to attract. Um, they, they they attract a lot of American tourists and stuff up that way yeah. for, to the battlefield, especially more so since Outlander and stuff. Um, it's just swarms of them. Um, but, so, but would you would you really want to buy a house on Bonnie Prince Charlie Way or or something like that? It's me, no, not no, personally. It, it's kind of turning it, trying to turn it into Disney rather than a yeah. a, a very important historical site yeah and uh, as i said to this day it's it's still a graveyard the bodies are still there yeah um because it's there was mass graves for both sides and they're still there so that's one of the signs that you see when you go up is please respect this because it is still a graveyard and the fact that half of it's not been excavated is yeah that's crazy i think um Dr. Tony Pollard at uh, Glasgow yeah. University's because um, I think I've, I follow him on Twitter and I've seen I'm aware of this trying to build on Culloden uh, Battlefield and uh, I think it's probably through his stuff. It happens down in England as well. It's always strange why it's battlefields. I don't get it. It just seems to attract people wanting to build yeah. on battlefields. We just as, as a as as a nation, and we're still we're still together. We're still brothers yeah, yeah. at the moment. Yeah. We're still together. Yeah. Um, although Yorkshire's going for its own independence as well. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, we we are particularly dreadful at looking after our history. Um, yeah. And if you go over to the states, I mean, I appreciate they've got a lot more land and stuff, but all their major battlefields are. You know, completely ring fenced, and in Antietam, Gettysburg, um, that I went to when I was over there. You know, it's a national park. Yeah, you national parks it. is a big you thing. You can't touch it. it. You can't yeah. touch it. So, um, hopefully, fingers crossed, things will get sorted up at Culloden. And if uh, there's anything we can do on the show to promote that, we will definitely do it because uh, I, I, I don't want some tacky bloody um, like holiday park. 
on there, um, yeah. which is kind of the way that it could go if it went horribly wrong, isn't it? So, yeah, so French-Indian War and then obviously the Jacobite Rebellion is another big period of interest. Um, yeah. And as I, as I move into War of Austrian Succession with the miniatures, because that's ultimately what I'm trying to do with the miniatures is there, there are things that I want. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. So, so <laughs> I go, well, if, I, if I'm not getting the figures that I want, I'll get them made and I'll, I'll produce them myself. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk quite a lot about you, how you come to make those choices uh, later on in this show. Um, have you ever been involved in putting display games on yourself? Is that something? Yeah, yeah, quite, quite a thing. I would do it a lot of the, the Scottish shows um, over the years. Um, we've done various different types of games. I used to do a lot when I was a member of GWS, and then when I left there, it kind of ramped up a bit more with, the, with me doing more stalls rather than yeah. gaming. So that was... It, you, you normally can see me sitting at a show with a very sad face watching everyone gaming <laughs> and me, me trying to persuade my wife to come along and <laughs> do, do the stall while I, I can go and play and throw dice, but she's... Yeah. She, she's not she's not gamer-friendly. She's she, she, she thinks we're all strange. Well, she, she's probably got a point. <laughs> Bless her. Her fear is that someone will just ask her a question. I says, but if they're difficult questions, just give me a shout. And she's like, no, it's just any question. Just yeah, <laughs> not even difficult ones. Just a question. So, so you um, you said you started latish into gaming. What sort yeah. of year? What sort of age were you when you um, started so I was pushing a, your figures around? About twenty three when I started oh, okay. to get back into it. Yeah. Um, so as I said, when I had my daughter, I was like, right, I need to do something. And it was more. I'm, I was, I've always had more of an interest in the painting side of things, and then mm. the gaming came later because I never really thought much about it. Um, when I was a kid, I would go to. I used to see all these dioramas when I'd go to like Edinburgh Castle and stuff with my dad, and I'd just be like, "Oh, that's that's amazing!" And so the interest was always about creating a spectacle, and that's kind of what I try and do when I do games at shows. It's always about putting on something that people can look at and go, "Yeah, that that looks great." Um, mm. And that's what I, that's what I like when I go to a show. If I see a game table that's spectacular, I'm just like. Mm. That was worth the money alone. Um, there's been various ones over the years that I've seen, and you're just like, yeah, that that's that's how I want to game. That's that's pro- that's proper. And we were talking before we started about David Imry, who's uh, yep. a friend of yours. Have you done anything in collaboration with him? He puts some we did the, games on. Yeah, we did the Marston Moore one. Um, um, the, the unfortunate situation with David is that he has such a big interest in medievals and I have absolutely zero I have absolutely zero interest and <laughs> he will say to me I'm painting Vikings and stuff and I'm like okay I'm not interested <laughs> ancients and I'm just like no 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 so he, he he has a group of friends and they play on these big games and I'm like invite me along when there's anything anything past 15 40s <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's your base limit yeah roughly mid mid 1500s forward I, and to be fair i actually got um quite a number of figures there to try and do us more more of a small project for the flooding 
Okay. Yeah. Um, Pete's Flags was doing the the Flodden figures, so yeah, they're quite. It's the same sculptor as mine, so I was like, oh, I'm going to get them. They're nice, and I did a range of flags for it. So, oh, um, brilliant. Absolutely superb. So, um, one thing, the thing that we do to um, kind of close off this first section is the, is the good old Venn diagram of Wargaming, um, copied on many shows but never equaled. Um, and uh, uh, so, just kind of looking at where you fit in this uh, four piece jigsaw, if you like, um, of Wargamer, painter, collector, historian. Um, are any of those more prevalent in the way that you look at the hobby? Um, what's your what's your take on on, on those? Um, the the biggest part I enjoy is painting. Yeah, it's always, it's always been about the painting. Um, I love painting. I I would say I'm a collector, but I do tend to if I don't have much use for it, I tend to sell it on. Oh, a seller, I, I, a seller. Yeah. I, I, no, I'm not not particularly looking for much on it, but I I just go well. I've not I've not I'm never going to really play with it, or no, someone's not interested in doing a game with it, so I kind of mm. sell it on. Um, but I do love gaming. Um, it's 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 a good it's a good way to relax with friends. Um, and I'm very particular about my gaming and who I game with. I'm not a, yeah. I'm not a gamey gamer. Um, I'm not a competition gamer, um, so I, I, I like to. I, I'm 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 always the kind of guy that's willing to do that charge that most people say you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like yeah, go for it. Ian's off, Ian's off again. Yeah, let's let's see what happens. <laughs> They're like, no, you'll die, and I was like, well, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. You never know. <laughs> One time in a million. <laughs> I'll, um, we'll talk about my Cludden experience and uh, towards a later on in the show, but I've got some interesting stories along a similar line to that with involving that battle. Um, so, do you do you have a large collection of figures then, or have you weeded it out as you've gone along with, with like yeah, say, a little bit? I've always I've always done these like projects, and then I kind of regret getting rid of them sometimes. <laughs> um, um, as I say, we used to do various um, games at shows. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the very British Civil War stuff. Did yes, games yeah, of that. I had yeah. various different groups. Um, I would, I would have my my, my Glasgow Covenanters, um, <laughs> various different groups, and my my other friend he had his Red Clyde Siders. Um, and Brilliant. we would do these battles and we would, we'd, it was actually one show that we did um, and we did the, it was called the Battle of Glasgow Green and in, in the Glasgow Green there's a big there's a big red sandstone building called the People's Palace mm. and that was that was the front, that was like our Glasgow Reichstag kind of thing <laughs> and we had the we had the Red Clyde Siders were defending the, the, the the people's palace and um, we were attacking it and trying to claim it back for yeah. uh, the, the righteous covenanters um and it then was, yeah it was a really good um concept that very yeah, yeah, it was great. It was, uh, it was... and you could have everyone had those their own little i never got into it um because <clears throat> we play spanish civil war which is very very similar um but you, you know it would have been quite easy to have you know some white rose rebels or something like that yeah and, and so just the, build the, a local factory the con there was so many good concepts with it um and we, 
you know, it was a, it was an open door. You could do yeah. anything that you want, and that's how I kind of went and did all the stuff I was doing. Mm-hmm. You know, guy Simon was doing the, all the books mm-hmm. at Solway, and I I was like, oh, I'm going to change it to be my own story and how <laughs> thing how things were playing out in Scotland because there was a big interest on how it was playing down in it. England, I guess it's similar. Those guys did it with um, the Australian, or very Australian, very British, or very Australian war, or whatever it was. Um, and they just basically took their own concept and said, "This is what was happening over there at the mm. time, and the, the empires fallen." So it was quite good. But Spanish Civil War is another one. I had a huge collection of the Empress figures. I loved them. Um, I had a, 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 it was a large national nationalist collection and then again I just kind of I got rid of them and it was just like I, I, I look back at those figures and go ah oh, I really painted them really nicely and wish I hadn't sold them yeah and then, um, it's just one of these things you just move on and yeah. but again I've got boxes and boxes of figures in the attic and you, you open them and go oh, I really should play with them again sometime and then you never it, get around to it yeah so you're going <laughs> why do I keep them um, somebody else could get, maybe get use out of them. Yeah. So how how do you? Uh, we'll we'll talk about the business in detail later on. But yeah. how do you manage the um, social aspect of your wargaming with the business side of it? Do you do you do you very sort of strictly break down time, or how how do you how do you sort things out? I try. the The, the website takes over a bit. Especially during COVID, everyone was loving COVID and how much they were getting to pay yeah. and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, my website's getting absolutely hammered with orders. <laughs> 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 and all, all I've got is these war gamers sitting in the house waiting for these flags to come. So you're not even getting the same amount of time to get them delivered. They, they're patiently waiting, going right yeah. there's my flags. So yeah. I never got, I got nowhere near as much painting as some people <laughs> did during lockdown. Um, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I get painting in now. Um, yeah. I've been, because I was doing, I'm, I'm still working on my Battle of Falkirk project, trying to do both sides for that mm. um, and various other things. I'm, I'm a bit of a, a goldfish when it comes to just moving around and like, oh. <laughs> or just or a magpie as you say just, yeah. just moving moving around and collecting different things like just randomly going oh that looks good like recently just bought a whole load of the the knuckle duster cowboys and yeah it was just because i was seeing all the guys play testing the new lardy's rules and i was like oh might, I might get on the forefront of this one, get myself a couple of cowboy factions yeah. before the rules come out, and then I'm ready. Um, so I've been doing them and uh, a lot of Irish War of Independence figures. Okay, yeah. And is that the 1916? Uh, no, just later. So the, the so the, the the War of Independence in 1921. Ah, right. So just okay. just after it, when when they were after trying. The, yeah. Yeah. So just after 1916, and when you've got the. the the Royal Irish Constabulary Auxiliaries and the Black and Tans and the IRA yeah. fighting. So I've been painting up a lot of the, the foot sore stuff because I had, I had loads of it for a, a number of years, but it wasn't a huge collection. And I'm kind of wanting, I was wanting to build on it. So I kept on speaking to Andy and going, when are you going to start spinning those moulds again? Because they had it off the website for a, a yeah, long time. Yeah, it and was. I was like, yeah. ah, can you start spinning them? And then 
I, I kind of forgot all about it, and then he started to put up that he was spinning them again. I was like, oh, now I've been pestering them for so long. I feel as though I'm obliged to actually buy them and start the project again. <laughs> so I, I bought loads of it there, and I'm like, just trying to paint them so that I've got them, and, and then I can try and find somebody to have a little game with me because I'm doing both sides. I tend to always do both sides so that I've not got an yeah. expectation or a mm. weight on anyone else because I don't. I don't seem to paint at the same speed as others. Others seem to paint a lot faster than I do. Given... Uh, yeah, I sometimes I sometimes think that that's that's a little bit of an illusion um, with some people. I mean, some people are, um, but a lot of people think I paint really, really quickly. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll probably put two or three units a month out, um, <laughs> which is. And I, but this uh, Dom from the Plastic Crack podcast, he just piles them out yeah. uh, you know he'll do that in a week so there's all there's a, well, i think you know, one way to say very very grounded in this hobby is one to say there's always somebody who's going to paint quicker than you and two there's always somebody who's going to paint better than you and once you accept that just crack <laughs> on and do crack on and do what you're going to do well that's why i hate david because he can paint at such a fast speed and at such at one of the best standards in the hobby and i'm just always like you're yeah. <laughs> um, I bet that's not what you actually said. Yeah, so I can't. I, yeah, I can't keep up with some of the people. So I just try to do my own thing, um, my own projects, and hopefully one day when they're finished, I'll turn around and say, "Does anyone fancy a game?" And somebody will say, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> or I'll, I'll just I'll... need to sell them. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think these, I think these people all over the country were looking, waiting for retirement um, to get those collections back out of the, from under the table, out of the cupboard, wherever they yeah. are, and get them on the table. Uh, I think that's that's what we're what we're all looking forward to. Well, that's a great introduction, Ian. Thank you very much for that, mate. Um, we shall uh, draw a line under part one, and we'll move on to part two, where we have our little bit of a chat about big games. Well, welcome back, everyone, to part two. Um, we're going to have a chat uh, about big games. It's something that we do with all my guests um, because it's called the Reap Big War Games podcast. So if you've come in here looking for skirmish advice, you're probably on the wrong podcast. Um, so, <laughs> Ian, what does a big game mean to you, mate? What's, uh, what, what, does, what pictures does it draw in your mind? Uh, spectacle. That's that's for me. That's what I want to see with a big game. I want to see. I want to see a lot of. Ter- I want to see terrain. I want to see a lot of big units. I want to see a lot of flags. Oh, definitely yeah. fly a lot it's of the flags. flags. The flags do it for me. Um, there was a couple of years ago. I was down at Salute, and the, the, I can't remember the guys that were doing it, but they did a, a really big thirty years of war game, and every unit had one of my flags. So I was like, "This is fantastic." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, and I spent many, many just just sat there taking photos of it because it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it. It's, it's big, big units because we, when, when we did um, our English Civil War, we were doing, me and David were doing huge units. We were talking um, 12, 12 bases of four figures for one, for one wow. unit. Yeah. No, not 12 bases. Yeah. Yeah, twelve bases of four figures on each, um. So quite quite big units is what we were after, and um, some of the some of the units I was doing were double units, <laughs> so wow, <laughs> they were they were pretty big. It was a great project, but that that's how I like to do it. 
That's what did I'm you, doing with yeah. my, my 1745, well, my 1746 Battle of Falkirk project. Just try to do big, big units on big bases, make it look good. And um, what's the so is that the appeal for you then of the bigger game? These, the visual spectacle. Of it? Yeah, definitely. It's it's one of these. I, I'm very strictly twenty eight mil painter kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah. I don't go below that because it's it's a lot to do with the visual aspect of it. Um, it's, it's seeing those big units on the table, seeing lots of units. We were involved. Um, have you seen the, the Tony Pollard when we did the, the big Waterloo game? Yeah. Did you were you involved in that? I was. Um, oh, wow. But I got I got ripped off by the guys in terms oh. of that. The, <laughs> no. So I was involved. So I know a few of my friends were the guys that were doing the hit. They were doing like the umpiring and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they, they basically turned around and said, oh, is there any chance you could put on your own game in the gallery? So ah, t- right. there was like a side um, project kind of thing yeah. so that people who are watching it, can they don't have to continuously watch the, the big game being played. They, they're just there as spectators, but they can get involved, which is quite good because I, I basically put on a small Jacobite game um, using muskets and tomahawks and we had lots of school kids that came along and oh, they, they, we got them involved in a little bit of war gaming so that was quite it was quite fun explaining to them what we were doing hunting for some jacobite gold um but I, i'd painted all my unit for the the game um and then as i said they were kind of like oh can you do this and i was like i've painted my unit and I've painted my I've paid my money and like, oh. <laughs> so I, I never I never got to take part in it um, I got to be there but I never got to take part in it as, so, as so you've, you you're kind of there on the balcony looking yeah. down watching that somebody is, playing my oh, fingers that is torture mate that is yeah so there was just hundreds of people there playing the game, though. It was kind of like it was quite it was quite hard to keep track of, and the guys done a brilliant job um, yeah. doing it. Um, cause it was quite a spectacle to watch. Yeah. Um, it was quite interesting hearing um, as Mark on the last show, and he was talking about how he used to have this excess board at the. Yeah. The holiday centre, and it just became the place for the coats. That's kind of what happened there. There was these other tables um, that, 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 where the, the units all started, but everything just came together in the middle. And then there was all these tables at the back that just kind of got left behind, and <laughs> there was just <laughs> excess stuff sitting on them. Um, but that was a, that was a, that was a great event, and o- hopefully they can do more. They, I know they've got plans to do. They, well, they had aspirations to do some other giant games like that um but i don't know what's happening with it yeah i mean that that would certainly be something spectacular to see wouldn't it again yeah i think um, i'm not 100 percent. what was it was it, what was one of the, the big ones with napoleon and i think the prussians was it leipzig or something you'd leipzig yeah it's the yeah, huge the huge one somebody was wanting to try that one but i think i think that was huge yeah i've i've, I've i saw last week that somebody's doing a a book um, war game in Leipzig um, and through Helion. Um, so, but it's it's just a sketch of what it is at the moment. So, I'll be interested to see um, what drops out of that on the other side. Yeah, um, it's yeah. I, I think it must be so. I, I've never gamed to that scale. I've I, I do like big tables and I've gamed on a few of them, but that's that's huge. It's 
It's a, it's, a, it's a couple of days to game that, I think. Yeah, I, I, I just can't believe that you had to look at look down on that game. That oh well, yeah. I mean, you've done, it's been great. You've introduced some, you know, new people to the hobby. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure they could have been introduced at another time. <laughs> <laughs> I was okay with it. I got to paint my 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 Skelliners, so I, I did initially wanted to paint um, the seventy first. They, they were uh, they were one of the Glasgow regiments. Glasgow Highland Light. Yeah, yeah, so they were the, the precursor to the, the HLI, and I was like, yeah. So that that's always been my dad's interest was the HLI in the First World mm. War. So I was like, I'm going to paint those guys, but um, I think they were like. At the Battle of Waterloo, I think they were, they were like a double strength unit of yeah, a, thousand, huge, a thousand yeah. men, and they were like, "Yeah, and you'll need to do all the dice on the, the dice on the shackles." And I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, I'll just paint someone else." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let some other mug paint that one. <laughs> but it was great the way it worked because there was guys coming from all over the world. There was yeah. guys coming from Australia, and yeah. some guys that I met. There at the show, I was still quite friends with them, oh, that's um, so that was quite good because you got to sit down with them, and, and they were coming up asking me about my, my figures, my flags, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but th- these guys were bringing figures from everywhere, and like we went to the, the the night before it, and you were to drop off all the figures, and they were brilliant the way that they catalogued everything, they photographed everything in case yeah. anything got damaged, etc. It was all registered. Um it was some some organization it took to do it. Um but it was just amazing to see that everybody all doing all these figures and bringing them from all over the world. Yeah, it, it was uh, the pictures that I saw of it was um, absolutely spectacular, and um, I, I was desperate to be involved in it, but um, unfortunately work got in the way, uh, and I couldn't. I, and I knew early on that it would be a nightmare to do it, but that would have been kind of the ultimate because ever since starting, I, I've big games of what I've done, mm-hmm. um, and to be at the the biggest game would have been um i did i was in contact with tony pollard because i was going to bring um some jutland stuff i would have been on the um uh on the balcony with you (laughs) (laughs) yeah if i would have gone i would have been on the balcony with you but uh yeah looking down i think the disappointing thing was there was there was adjudicators there for the guinness book of records and stuff but i don't think it was ever able to get in because they had nothing to measure it against and i don't and it was basically that they couldn't officially say it was the biggest war game in the world um so it was a a shame that all that effort and they they couldn't actually do get get that status to say yeah we are the biggest war game i think i think there's some have disputed it as well, yeah, I noticed. I noticed around sort of social media and the internet, there was a lot of people just randomly going, "Yeah, my name's my name's Dave, and I've done a bigger game than that." <laughs> oh, have in you got the any? Shed. Oh, oh, and and all the pictures have been destroyed in an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> so it never, nobody ever actually came forward. Um, yeah, we we did Leipzig. Uh, one to thirty-three ratio, and I can't, you know, that must that was a lot of figures, mm-hmm. uh, but fifteen mil back in those days, back in the probably late eighties when we did that. Um, 
So I'm sure the you know, but it's it's having the proof of it. I've got a couple of dodgy old photographs of it that are sort of blurred that you used to get because you you know you take a photograph yeah. and then you didn't until you binned out a true print, whatever, you didn't have a bloody clue yeah. what was on it. And um, then then you realise that you've just put your finger in front of it and it's <laughs> you've taken all these photos. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, absolute <laughs> absolute nightmare. <laughs> so other than other than the Waterloo game, mate, what's uh, what's some other big games that you've uh, so yeah, it was probably English Civil War was probably the biggest interest for the big games. I've done a couple of them. Um, that 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 that's the biggest interest for that, and obviously the Jacobites. Um, trying, I, I I would love to do something in terms of the the, the War of Austrian Succession, but I want to try and get my my Jacobite project out the way to do the Battle of Falkirk because it's probably as a, as a gamer, it's probably the only one that you can really fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and have anything different outcome in terms of it? So many guys have done what uh, Culloden, um, Preston Pans probably could change a little bit, um, but yeah. Falkirk's probably the main one that everyone would fight, or you just come up with some made up random battle yeah. um, because that's that's kind of why I, I got the, the Dutch figures and stuff for the, the War of Austrian Succession because there was loads of Dutch soldiers based in Newcastle and stuff at, the, oh, right. at that okay. time yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, they couldn't fight they, yeah, they were <laughs> they'd, they'd basically been captured by the French um, and they were released on the proviso that they weren't going to fight again and then when France entered the, the war against um when when France entered the Jacobite Rebellion phase of it, the the, the, the Dutch were like, "No, we can't fight. We we gave our word, and we'll, we yeah. just need to go home." So these four thousand Dutchmen just went back without actually pa- without actually fighting, and as they were as they promised to do. Yeah. <laughs> so you master more game then? Did you take that round just shows in Scotland, or did you yeah, we just did it in the one show in Scotland, and then we. David decided to get rid of his whole collection, so I was left with mine. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, yeah, I think we actually <laughs> so, you, you had him on the show. I think we, we sold most of it to Simon Miller. Have you? Ah, <laughs> yeah, right, I think, yeah, I kept all my Covenanters, and, and I think I gave all my my Parliament troops to David, and then he he gave he'd sold them on. But I'm pretty sure it ended up with Simon. Um, yeah, he was using these rules. Uh, I mean, we've we've been going just over a year with this show and it's kind of um uh turning into like a genealogy program for <laughs> war games figures <laughs> just traveling tra- just going around yeah. the, the um the the 54 mil world war ii collection that john lander spoke in from his 72 foot market garden game had ended up with dr chris brown from from scotland who um he he'd got hold of them um, so that's two people who've already had, and now they're down in in Sheffield somewhere. They're not far away from yeah. me, so I, I need to find out who's got them. Uh, and uh, Mark Freeth's run games with the figures as well through John. Um, so yeah, the, the, because of Simon, was uh, recently speaking to him and he was talking about he's going to do a supplement for his um, his rules, but it's going to focus on what was happening in Scotland at the time. Mm. So I, I've kind of then went oh. So I'd went out and bought a huge collection of figures off Bicorn and Warlord for the Highlanders um, and the Covenanters that I'm going to try and build. Build. It's 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 easier to do the stuff in Scotland because it was a lot smaller. Um, yeah. 
you know you can get a big but you can the, the, although it's, i say it's smaller i tend to focus on doing bigger units in that case rather than saying well i'm up against it i need to get a, a huge battle um so i'll do smaller units so i can i can make bulkier units for for smaller battles because there'll be less units required for some of the, the battles that, that yeah, are happening I, th- up I, th- here. I think i think with, with covenant is they're one of the um the most useful armies yeah because you, you you can fight you can come down into the north of england and, yep. and and fight the royalists in in yorkshire or you can fight montrose when he's running around with his you irish can fight the new one. model army you can fight the new model army. Yeah, they were fight, <laughs> they were fighting everyone they were in ireland yeah. just before it and stuff so they um they they are very useful and many people use them also for the 30 years war because there was so many scots um going over to fight then as well um some of the gustavus adolphus his army was made up of many scots Mm. even some of the french and stuff as well they do enjoy a good fight yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they tend to think like a, a good fight. I probably think it's like a bit of money, <laughs> um, because it, not only were we going for a fight, we were getting paid to do it. Kind yeah. Of thing. So yeah. I think I think there's the money factor is quite common in it. There's various there's various periods in history of Scots going over to Europe to fight in various battles, but there always seems to be money at the end of it. So. So you you kind of, you kind of suggesting then that the the, the <laughs> recruitment policy in Scotland is do you want to come and have a fight lads? Oh yeah, we're up for that. We won't mind that, and we'll pay you right. Yeah, we'll yeah. Well, I think I think it's probably the same recruitment policy that the British Army were using in Ireland for the Napoleonic War. No, yeah, it's pretty much you no. Know, you, there's not much jobs. Why don't you come and fight and we'll pay and feed you? It's like and oh, feed you. Yeah. okay, and, yeah, <laughs> and, and clothe you, and, yeah. yeah, put a roof. You over might, your head. you might die, but that's just a side part. <laughs> yeah, I, sw- I suppose um, there was. The pr- you're likely to die at home anyway, weren't you? If you, yeah. if, you if you know with all you know lack yeah. of food, disease, all that sort of stuff. So dying somewhere sunny, if you were lucky to go to the peninsula or something like that, if you're going to go, <laughs> yeah. So it's not. It's, it's it wouldn't work today. Recruit in the recruitment posters. <laughs> Join no. the army. It's better than dying at home. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't. I don't, I don't think, think that would work. Would, no, I don't think it would. <laughs> we, do, do, we know. We know too much now. We do things right, like the do. internet and stuff. But um, as I say, I'm, I'm doing my Jacobite project, and that's that's the main aim to get a big game with that. Once that's done, that would be that would be the dream. And then, as I said, if I could, I've always had this absolute fantasy of doing the Battle of Quebec. But it, as I say, as a spectacle, you know, to have, I've always had this dream that it's going to be the table with the battle on it. But yeah. the table's actually got the, the the heights of Abraham at the side of it, oh. with the St Lawrence at the bottom, almost yeah. with the troops climbing up. Um, to, to 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 take part in the battle. I've I've gamed a few things from the the Quebec, but it's more the the smaller stuff. Yeah. Because there were so many battles hmm. happening around it. No, no, the British were besieging the city for a good while. So, but there was loads of these stories of natives just attacking them. You know, the. Don't don't go to do the toilet basically because these guys were just you, if you went into the woods you didn't come back. <laughs> um, so I try to try and do a lot of those games, but if I 
that would be the dream would be to do the Battle of Quebec. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, I look forward to you, you putting that together. That will, will be good. Um, so um, just to finish this little section off, I always yep. kind of, we, we kind of, we kind of all know that skirmish gaming uh, is kind of prevalent at the moment. Yeah. Um, although, although, I'm pushing to get the big game back in. Yeah, there. yeah. And, um, it, but it's it's no coincidence that Warlord Games brought their epic range out two months after this podcast started. I'm not claiming responsibility, but, you know, coincidences, do they really happen? Uh, anyway, so um, what, what, what do you think? What do you think of the... Uh, uh, the the, the things that you are good to sell big games to people what because a lot of people are put off by them yeah it's it's a hard one isn't it because there's so it's it, we, we come from a culture where it's you know, just buy a, a starter set and get yeah. going and that's obviously the good thing about the that epic game it's not it's not my interest at this given the scale um but i can see why people would be drawn to it um no, you get everything in a box, you get the rules, you get the figures, yeah. you get the dice and anything yeah. else and off you go. Um and to to try and convince folk to paint all these figures it's it's quite it's quite a difficult one, I think. Um because like some of the clubs I go to in terms of the, the, the skirmish games are a big, big thing. Um mm. games like Saga and you know, Sharp Practice and some of the big games. But I am starting to see some of the guys playing bigger games like so some of the two of the strongest and stuff a lot of the times using smaller scale figures though yeah um around the 28s which i think would look so much better but it's well, I, you, it is difficult you, yeah you're preaching to the converted day with that but it's, it's it's one of these things there's there must be so many big games going on and i'm basing that on some of the, the flag sales i get because yeah some people will buy just tons of flags and all i'm thinking is not, I'm not thinking about. Oh yeah, that's great. I've got all this, this, this sale. I'm just like, I want to see their figures because they must have tons. No. Well, that that's the that's one of the things that's come that's come from from me doing this podcast is that I was kind of getting to think, am I the last person? Am I the only one left doing these big games? Uh, and I knew I wasn't. I think but... I think the problem we have, Ken, is is. I, I do. I, I subconsciously should try and do things like, like on, see when you're on like Instagram and stuff, yeah. and trying to make like the, the historical war games as a tag, um, because we, we're kind of overrun by like the, the games workshop and the fantasy and the sci-fi yeah. stuff, and I, 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 people might disagree, but I I don't I don't call that war gaming. It's, it's a strange one because for me it's 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 different. It's a different type of the hobby. Um, for me, war gaming is historical war gaming, and it's trying to basically pe- like a PR job for ours, our yeah. side of it, and try and make sure that we see it. And it, it, it I think the spect is so much better looking than anything else in terms of the fantasy stuff. But it's it's a harder sell. We were talking about it last night and telling some of the guys that are right into the fantasy stuff and they're talking about how they love the fluff and the yeah. storylines behind a lot of the fantasy stuff and I was like well that's already written for us I don't need to do that yeah <laughs> um yeah I mean but, when you when you think if you think about historical background as if you thought about that as fluff then you, it's all there I mean I, yeah. I, I I remember reading this massive book by Nigel Tranter, I think it was, about Montrose, and it was about 
three or four inches thick. And I remember yeah. reading that on holiday, and uh, that was the fluff that I needed to get yeah. interested in in that period of history. Um, good, good historians, good writing. Yeah, it's 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 probably one of the big draws for me. Is as a kid, my dad was taking me to all these battlefields. I was going over to, we, my dad was going over to the Somme every single first of July for yeah. continuously for twenty five years. He was there every single first of July for the remembrance. Um, so I was going to all these different places. A kid, so I always had this historical upbringing, um, and that was always my interest. And you can see behind me all the books. That's it's pretty much. It's, it's one of the, the biggest draws is learning about the periods, learning yeah. about new periods. It's one of the things I do with the flags. Um, people who ask for flags, I have absolutely no interest in gaming. Um, I have no interest in really the history at, at that point, but a little bit of research to try and give the, the, the best product possible yeah. with the flags takes yeah. a you know, you can you can end up down a, a, a big rabbit hole and next thing <laughs> you've got a huge collection of books to try and read on it and get up to speed on the flags and how these were issued and when they were issued and yeah. um one of the biggest issues is that the, the, the british history we, we, up to a certain point we started recording flags but anything before that we just didn't. Nothing, didn't bother. <laughs> didn't bother. <laughs> we left that to the Europeans for some reason. The French, the French loved it. They, yeah. they loved it. They loved just recording and drawing the flags. British were like, nah, no time for that. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, that's uh, a nice little um, a bit of big game chat, and we, we'll, uh, we'll we'll certainly between us, we'll keep pushing our big figures and big yeah. tables and big units. Um, it's definitely the way forward. And, I, and to be honest, I think most of the people who listen to this think that anyway. So I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the converted. Um, <laughs> but if you're on the if you're on the fence out there, if you missed a splinter bottom, then get off the fence, get in the 28 mil big field. That's all I'm going to say. So um, Ian will be uh, shaking a little bit in his boots because it's the quiz next. Um, cool. Back in a minute. Well, we're back in the room with the Yorkshire Gamer Quiz, and uh, this has been in the uh, show since episode one. And <laughs> if anything's going to cause me trouble, it's this one. So, before we start, we we have our uh, our usual disclaimer for those uh, who are a little bit sensitive about things that we say, and um, we're not having to go at your gaming. What we're doing is we're having a bit of a laugh and a joke. Um, so, are you ready to go, mate? Am I prepared to fail? You mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all, all the answers are um, uh, a yes or no, or one of uh, two selections, um, and the, as I warn everyone there, there may be some regional bias in some of the questions, <laughs> and it's not particularly subtle either. So, question one, Ian, go big or go home? Go big. Go big. Yeah. Uh, number two, contrast paints, are they great or are they a gimmick? Gimmick nonsense. Oh, good lad. Um, you're choosing your paintbrush. Um, are you going for posh Southern Windsor and Newton or Yorkshire made Pro Art? I, I do. I, I do like the Windsor and Newton. Oh, I, dear I've me, got a dear lot me. of them. Dear me. Uh, question four: ninety-six figures. Is that an army or a unit of pike? That's a unit of pike. <laughs> 
Excellent. We're on the same. We're on the same uh, wavelength here. Um, six by four. Is that a big game or a small game? That's a small game. Yeah. Choosing your sides for a battle. Are you going to go points based or historical order of battle? That would have to be the order of battle for that one. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Doing well so far. Um. We're, we're painting some figures up. Are you using a wet palette or an old bit of MDF? I'm letting the side down again. I'm going for the wet palette. Oh, <laughs> dear me, dear me. Um, when you're undercoating your figures, do you go black or white? Uh, black. Always black. I can't, I can't do it with a white. <laughs> no, I can't either. I, I can't get it. Some people can do it. I just can't. No. But other people who paint white on white go, how do you paint with a black undercoat? Yeah. Strange, um, other, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, obviously, there's loads of different techniques out there, and some of them is whatever works for you. Yeah. Um, uh, but I have horrendous problems with white. Even when I'm painting, I've just painted a couple of battalions that are almost completely white, and I've started with a black undercoat. Mm. And everyone, you're mad. I said no. Even, <laughs> if it, if even, I start with white, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna get. If get I'm anywhere. painting white, I will paint. I'll spray them in grey. Yeah. Um, so like French, if I'm doing French, I'll spray them grey, yeah, just for quickness. Yeah, the only thing I've ever sprayed grey is some tanks that I got from Blitzkrieg, and every, all the paint kept falling off them. Right. I'd scrubbed them like a million times, and I ended up getting this grey plastic primer. But then I sprayed the black over the top of the plastic <laughs> primer. <laughs> so, yeah, creature of habit, creature of habit. We don't like change here in Yorkshire. Yep. We don't like change. Um, so, uh, question nine. Um, you're offered a drink. Do you have Yorkshire tea or dirty mucky coffee? I like both. Um, <laughs> I do like I'm, a... I'm offering you, are you going to offend me and have coffee or are you going to have tea? I will, I, I will, I would, I would say tea because I only, I only drink espresso given my wife's Italian, so. Oh, well, and Italians can do espresso. Yeah, so that's Definitely. only called, I don't, I don't drink like, um. Nice coffee, take coffee. Yeah, um, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll, so I'll, I'll, take, I'll you, take tea. I'll allow you a pass for a good Italian espresso. That's very good. Um, so, war games units, um, if historically accurate, do you like them tightly packed or socially distanced? Tightly packed. Tightly packed. We like a good looking unit, that's what we like to see. Uh, question 11 uh, a two hour club game or a weekend monster game? Again, I like both. Um, Depending on the type of game, so I, I I would if I was to the the kind of guys that I would be wanting to game with are quite further afield, so I'll go with the weekender because those are the guys that get everyone come, we would, together. Yeah, we would come together to play the, one of those games. And uh, we're on to the uh, the honorary Nick Skinner question from Two Fat Lardies, and this is avocado. Is it just posh mushy peas? Do you have avocado in Scotland? Yeah, we do. Does it reach yeah. that far? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Again, yeah, no, I, I, I don't mind avocado. Um, I, I like mushy peas. Um, you like mushy peas? It, it, so. it is posh, though. I'm give you that. I'm, I'm from the East End of Glasgow, so it yeah. is very, it is very posh. Um, so it is posh mushy peas. Yeah. So you've got, it's fish supper up there, isn't it? Yeah, we have a fish Last supper. One. Fish yeah. supper with salt and vinegar. Yeah. We, we, we're the West Coast, so we have salt and vinegar. And then in the yeah. East Coast, you have uh, salt and sauce. 
Oh, right. What sort so, of salt? Salt and sauce is um, basically, if you imagine, like, brown sauce, but it's yep. heavily vinegared. So it's watered down with vinegar. Ah. And they basically pour it all over the chips. That sounds like Henderson's Relish, the Sheffield... Mm. Um, uh, Worcestershire sauce, have you ever yeah. seen that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, is it like that? I'm, I'm, I think it's... I'm not too sure if it's... It's not as... It's not. It's still quite thick. Oh, right, okay. In terms... It's like a, it's almost like a gravy consistency that it's poured over the chips. Um, so they call it salt and sauce. and In, in Glasgow, you have salt and vinegar. Right, well, next time, next time, I'm, next time, I'm, I'm, I was up in uh, Scotland in February for my birthday, actually in Edinburgh, um, and I didn't have any fish and chips. So next time oh. I'm up there, you see, so, they, will, they will ask you salt and sauce, and you salt see, and sauce. You, yes, whereas in Glasgow they see salt and vinegar. So it's a big right, difference okay. between the two, the two different. Okay, well, this is the first episode of Yorkshire Gamers Re- Big Fish and Chip Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a fan of fish and chips. Do you, do you not? <laughs> I can eat, I, I eat them, but I'm not a, not a huge fan of the the chip chop chips. My wife loves them, but I'm not a huge. I can, I'm not even a big seafood eater. Uh, right. Well, um, episode, uh, sorry, question thirteen, and the, you, this is your ch- this is your chance, Ian. I don't want you to let down your nation by being the only person who goes one way on this question. Okay. So. Round dice, spherical dice, are they allowed on your table or are they banned? Every single time you ask this question, I'm like, there is such a thing. So, yeah, they're banned. Banned. I didn't didn't even know they were a thing. So, yeah. How how do you tell what the result is? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I've told the story many times, but somebody brought them here, they rolled them, they went off the end of the table (laughs) and damaged a couple of figures. And the rule here is. Any dice on the floor don't count. You have to re-roll ah, them. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, so what we're going to do, spend all day watching them roll the t- dice off the How, the how would you know a, a, a round dice is cocked or anything? I don't know. Yeah. It's just, the, that's peculiar. The, people sell them. People sell I, I take it you haven't got any in your web store. No. No, I've, 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 never, I've, never seen, I've never seen one in person. I don't know. If, I haven't need to Google that one. Yeah, no, and then somebody, somebody a few episodes ago, um, told me that people make a dice within a dice now. I think I've seen that. Yeah, so you like I don't think I've ever gamed anything more than a D twenty. No, it's I'm I'm I've opened up. It's like opening up the doors to hell, and somebody's bringing up more and more obscure dice yeah. each time. D twenty. I did. I did have an interesting game playing Frostgrave. With, which yeah. uses D twenty, yeah. um, and I I sat playing the game for about the first half hour. I couldn't understand why all my dice results were utterly crap, <laughs> and it turned out it was just a double D ten I had. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we couldn't we couldn't work out how I wasn't passing any of my tests, and it's because it never went up to twenty. It was uh. looked like a D twenty. It was a double D ten. What? Uh, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Um, so um, we've 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 kept our hundred percent record on the round dice, which is good. Um, and uh, now it's it, the David Marshall question from TM Train. Uh, I should get sponsorship money from these, shouldn't I? Um, the uh, this is the uh, another chip shop question. Um, are you going to have Haddock or Cod when you go down the chip shop? Well, 
you don't get see in Scotland you don't really get much options. It's only really Do you know? No, it's not. Do you don't it's, have it? No, so when you kind of go over the border, you go to a chip shop, and you have all these different options on the. They're like, what fish do you want? And you're like, just fish. Just <laughs> 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 like what? Uh, yeah, you don't. When you call, you go to my local fish fish and chip shops, you, you just ask for the fish and chips. They don't give you various yeah. different types. Yeah, we we are, we usually have the choice of haddock or yeah. I have to say. Um, and, we were recently, that, I was recently down um, Haggerston Castle way and down near Newcastle, and we were going to various places down that way, and we'd obviously seaside towns. Um, mm. Is it beach beach houses? the place mm. and it was we went to the fish and chip shop and it was like because obviously being a seaside town there was just like all these different fish options it was like i don't know what 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 what, what do i pick <laughs> <laughs> do you know? i was like what's better <laughs> it even made me confused as to what is it we have in scotland <laughs> no, it's just fish um so yeah, yeah we don't get the options yeah. quick google what fish do we have in scotland yeah i think it's cod yeah i think it's certainly cod yeah, uh, sounds good to me. Um, do you like a, a a good table in a set of rules, like a casualty table, or do you like you know your results from your dice rolls? Um, I, I like I like the results from the dice rolls. Yeah, what is the mo- the modern way as we call yeah. it? Um, I think I know the answer to this one because you've you've kind of said it already. But twenty eight mil is king, yes or no? Oh yes. yes. Anything, anything below is just, I'm not. I'm not even entertaining. I've never. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't come near my table. It doesn't come through the door. Oh, hey, hey, I like I don't, it. I like put it this way: I don't even do the flags. I've never, I never thought of that. Yeah, you don't do the flag swirl, do you? No, no. no I've I done like them in it. the past. I've done them in the past. Um, yeah. It, 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 becomes it becomes so many how many flags do you sell on a sheet um yeah. so it comes a little bit more complicated what flags do you put on a sheet i used to do custom orders um for people but i just it, the, the website became too busy i was like i can't do them yeah no, david like david emery's been painting that epic battle stuff and i just keep every time he put they look great and every time he puts up a picture i, I just text him and I'm going, please stop now <laughs> it's like so he started painting his Austrians again and I was like thank you <laughs> yeah yeah some some proper proper big figures um we've only got four questions to go go for it uh, and uh, s- uh, number 17 is unpainted miniatures are they allowed on your table yes no way no way excellent um the the deal breaker question here um and uh, just like to say, obviously, this isn't. We don't show the video from this, but Ian's wearing his Rangers top. Yep. Um, so we, we had a bit of a chat. Well, we'll we'll bond over Stuart McCall, won't we? We will. We will. The, the legend that is Stuart. Bit McCall. of a hero of mine when I was a kid. So uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, a, and, a, and a, a hero at Bradford, definitely. Uh, and a lovely guy as well. I've, I've met, actually met him a couple of times because he lives in Harrogate near where. Or I used to live in Harrogate where I where I work. Is that Sheffield United now? Isn't he? So yeah, he is. Yeah. Assistant manager, lovely guy, really, really nice guy. So you need to choose Bradford City or Leeds United. Who are you going to go for? Um, I'm going to go for Bradford. Been to oh. Bradford, I've been to the stadium, and um, my dad 
growing up at his age has nothing nice to say about the old Leeds team. Dirty like, Leeds. Nothing, nothing Dirty at Leeds. all nice to ever say about them. So that's kind of got ingrained on me. And we beat we beat Leeds in 92 as part of the Battle of Britain. Leeds were the champions of England. Scott Rangers were the champions of Scotland. And the, the, the things that they said to about us leading up to that match, yeah. they basically written us off. He's weren't going to beat the champions of England and Rangers beat them twice over the two legs and put them oh, out in the Champions fantastic. League. Yeah. So yeah, it's always uh, I mean that that was that 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 sort of Billy Bremner, Norman Hunt, uh, Frank Gray team of Leeds, yeah. that 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 was kind of the team when I was growing up. And I, there was there was times when I, I thought that you just like walked up to your opponent and punched them in the face. And that yeah. was like a, a legal tactic with yeah. football. Mind you, Graham Soonis was pretty much the same, wasn't he? He, yeah. he didn't really yeah. tackle in a friendly manner. No, at any no he didn't make many friends out with Rangers up here either. <laughs> <laughs> I, he got sent off in his first game for um, putting his foot into the groin of one of the Hibs players. It be oh. on. It came on as a substitute, and he was on about five minutes, and just basically launched straight into the hips player. <laughs> he got oh, yeah. sent off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, we're getting distracted, but that's that's yeah. normally what happens on this podcast. Um, but just just off shoot from that, it is related. But um, we were watching Sky Sports um, not that long ago, and my wife. Like quite likes football. She comes to Bradford with me. She goes, "Oh, that Graham Soonis, isn't he a lovely guy?" And I said, "Right, hang on a minute." And yeah. I got this like show reel of Graham Soonis's <laughs> worst tackles on YouTube, and I showed her them, and she went, oh, "I met him recently. God. He was doing a book signing in Glasgow, and he is he is fairly nice chap. Yeah, he is quite nice. But obviously, on a football field, he was a bit different. Yeah, bit of a temper, bit of a temper. Um, so." Um, Question 19, Yorkshire or the other place over the hill? Uh, Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Um, and finally, Games Workshop. Are they the work of the devil? Yes or Yeah, they are, but they're very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. They, they've got the Midas touch, haven't they? Yeah, they, they, they know how to, to make money. And, but it's uh, interesting the amount stuff. of guys that you deal with, though. Uh, me being have my website and I deal with various different guys, but it's amazing the amount of guys in the historical side of the hobby yeah. whose background is from Games yeah. Workshop. Uh, and that's coming through a lot now. It's coming yeah. through quite a lot. Um, but then I, I've, I've kind of see, seen it from from my lad's perspective as he's grown up and done a bit of GW stuff. And it's like, oh, dad, dad, can I get a new set of rules and can I get a new codex? It's like, hang on, you only asked me 10 minutes ago. Yeah. For other, than, other than Lord of the Rings, I've never really been into yeah. any of the Games Workshop stuff. That yeah. was it. It's Lord of the Rings because of the movies, but in the books, but never, I was never into 40K or Warhammer. Brilliant. Well, we're definitely like-minded, uh, mate, because you've come up with 85%, which is... Ah, uh, uh, I thought it was going to be a disaster. No, no, you've done, you've done, you've done really well there. Um, my, my mate, Sean Clark from um, uh, God's Own Scale and Alex Sutherland um, both did dreadfully. On, but they, they're 15 mil and 6 mil game, as you see. Right. So, um, and that episode just went downhill <laughs> from the start. It was... <laughs> it was very funny, but there we go. Um, so, just in in this section, um, we um, we we talk about our war games room one hundred and one. Um, and uh, did you manage to come up with something? I did. Oh, I did. brilliant! So, um, 
just for the listeners, if you haven't heard this, then uh, Room 101 is in George Orwell's book, 1984. And it's a room uh, where your deepest, darkest fears are put. And it was turned into a TV show. And um, the guests would come on and they would say something that they particularly like their pet hate. And they would try and get it consigned to Room 101, uh, where it would be banished forever. So, Ian, this is this, this is your chance, mate. Um, we've we've had some interesting uh, ones in the past, and uh, Simon Miller in the in the last full episode uh, chucked in big sabo bases, which I would never in a million years have thought of. I have yeah. to say, but now he's mentioned it, everything I, I see. I've got these stupid thick bases. So yeah, I was. I'd, I'd been doing what Simon does for a, a few years with chamfer on the edges as well. Yeah, and I like. I like. I, I use the same bases that he does for his games with the, the jagged yeah. edges and stuff. Yeah. I do that. Cause I, I, yeah. As I say, it's always about the spectacle. So having it blend in with the table, I quite like as much yeah. as possible. So, um, Ian, come on then, mate. What's your uh, What's your entry or attempted entry into room one hundred and one? Hex tiles. Hex tiles. Yeah. Oh, I can get behind this one. Come on, mate, give us your rant. I'm just, I don't know what it is about them. I think it's because, as I say, I like, it's a spectacle for me. And if the fact that you can see all of these lines across the table, I'm just like, no, that's not cutting it for me. No, and, and I'm not so bothered about it if I go to a club and someone's playing mm. a game on it. That's totally acceptable. But yeah. if I go to a war game show, I'm not even stopping to look at that game. I'm just walking <laughs> walking past it and going for a tea or something. Um yeah, it's 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 one of, it's just it's just one of these things. I, loads of guys, I say it to a lot of folk and they kinda of go, No, nah, I love playing with hex tiles and I'm like, Well that's you, it's not me. <laughs> so it, it, it's just the hex tiles and the as I say, it's just it's just breaking up that spectacle of the gaming table. At least have a gaming mat or something with some hills on it or under it or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hex have, have you have you had a like a personally traumatic experience with hex tiles? <laughs> have you get bullied off hex tiles? No, no. <laughs> no, it's just as I say, it's just I think it's just when you go when I see them I'm just like, what's what's the point in them? And I'm not too sure about them and um I don't I don't find it appealing. Um, and a lot of the time, the folk aren't even using them as a, it's like an, an aid to their game. Yeah. Or like moving through hex tiles. And I think it's even, um, I never liked, you know, you get the, the computer games that they moved in the hex, the hexes. Yeah. I never ever liked those games either when I was growing up. I know you were talking recently about um, Total War. I quite yeah. liked that. That was probably one. But the, the hex games and the hex tiles, I was never, I just never ever no, appealed never, to me. And yeah. I just like, I, th- I think there's a there's like a crossover point, isn't there, between a board game and a, and what I would call a traditional war game, yeah. um, and and that hex thing um, kind of makes you think about a board game, doesn't it? Yeah, and, totally. And, yeah, I and think so. having although on a hex you've got more choice with with your facings, you, you've got limited. You've got three facings to the front, three facings to the rear. Um, and it, it kind of it's kind of pushing it towards like a chess thing yeah. where you've got a certain number of moves. I know it um I suppose it works have you ever played any sort of like air combat games where involving hexes? I I can I see where you're going with it and yeah, I can kinda understand maybe that for air combat, but yeah. I'm not it's just not 
I'm not. I'm not a huge aviation kind of fan anyway. Um, yeah, I'm more all about the, the the guys on the ground rather than the planes. Yeah. So it's never it's never something I've really gamed. Um, but as I say, I, I get why people do it. It's just not for me. It's no, one of my I don't, pet, I don't pet, pet, as I say, if I see it at a show, I'm not, I'm not entertaining it. So. Excellent. Well, we like pet hates on here. Because, uh, <laughs> I've got a we, few, but that's the we, main we, one. Yeah, we, we, as as gamers, I think, I think there's something that everybody does that we'll all just go, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that. And you know, yeah. people who look at my stuff and they go, oh, I don't like big units. Don't like big units. Don't like big battles. Uh, no problems. No problems. Yeah. It's, it's, Most uh, of them are big battles. So, well, <laughs> the pro- the problem for those people is that I am the gatekeeper for Room One Hundred and One. So, if somebody comes on and goes, "I'm going to try and put room, ba- big battles into Room One Hundred and One," I'm just going to say no. Yeah. So, That's yeah. It. So I get I get all the time with paint and tartan. Yeah. Just, I, I like your yeah. figures, but I don't want to paint tartan. Yeah. It's my it's my room. It's my room. <laughs> don't paint tartan on them. <laughs> <laughs> No worries. Well, um, we we've uh, we've had a, a, a lovely chat around various topics. But we're 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 going to go now and talk about flags of war. Right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the bit that you've all been waiting for. This we're going to talk to Ian about his business, flags of war, and um, Ian. It initially, uh, it provides uh, the main thing that you will know about is providing flags for war games figures. Um, and so, the question that everyone's going to ask is, how long did it take you to come up with that name for a business? Oh, about two minutes. <laughs> really, there was that much thought behind it. Uh, I didn't even do any research to see if anyone else was used. It. And, and there was only a few companies at the time. Um, yeah. No, GMB were probably the main, but you know, the other, the other benchmarks, so to speak. Um, but no, there wasn't a lot of us when I started. It's been around twelve years or something. I've been going. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, it was, it was the, kind of like you know, you're looking for flags, few war games figures, flags of war. Love it. It's just bang. There you go. Yeah, it was. It, it, my, the website was actually reviewed recently on on the tabletop of the Beast of War guys and the guy's just going, Do you want flags for this? He's got that, he's got flags for this, he's got flags for this, he's got flags for this. <laughs> and it's it's it's, it's no I, when I started it was just I was doing them on A four sheets. Yeah. You know, c- c- combined. Um and I, I I just started it was it was more out of me wanting to do flags that again, same with the miniatures things that weren't available yeah. at that time. Um, since then, other people have been doing those flags I wanted. I wanted certain flags for the English Civil War, mostly the Covenanters. People never had them, so I made them my own. Um, stuff for the Williamite Wars, Barry Hilton wasn't doing them at that point, but I, I was like, well, I will do my own. So I created, recreated yeah. these flags that we knew about. Um, and then people seen me painting the figures and stuff and going, oh, I wouldn't mind, can I buy some? So it kind of started on eBay. Yeah, just selling sheets and people are like, yeah, 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 cool. Can you get? Can you do flags for this? Can you do flags for that? And now, now, no, now I've got so, more more flags than I can. <laughs> I have. They give so, me nightmares because I've yeah. just I've got all of these flags and still I get people asking for just the most randomest flags that I just don't have. And they're like, oh, how, how, how have I not covered all of these bases yet? 
<laughs> so was it? It was the Covenanters then that started you off. Was that the? Yeah, pretty the, much the, the well, first it, thing. Yeah, the English Civil War and the Will You Might stuff. The, I think some of the, the the first couple of flags I did were like the Dutch Blue Guard. Um, and I, I was wanting to paint them. It wasn't necessarily wanting to game. I just wanted to paint them. I'd got some of these front the front rank figures yeah. for the Will You Might period, and I was like, oh, I need flags. Um, you would go on like Barry Hilton's website, and he he'd have his own flags that he you no know, he was getting painted and stuff, yeah. and he's he always does these huge big flags, and I was like, oh, they look great. So I was wanting to do my own unit, but I, no one was selling the flags. So I it's like I've always been quite good with computers and stuff, so I just started really drawing on the computer, and that's where I took it from. No, I was never drawing these things by hand and scanning yeah. them in and it's always been straight on the computer. Um. And then is just, that something that comes from from your work life? Do you do, you do that sort of thing? I do, I, I do work in I do work with computers. I work for a bank, um, yeah. but I I do I do, I do systems and programming and change within the banking industry rather than drawing. So it's it's always been a, a, an interest. When I was at school, I was always doing yeah. you know, the, the, in the, the top classes for art and stuff. I, I, when I left school, I actually went and did furniture design. As um, I, I was trying to seek a career in there, and then I found alcohol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so living live, living in Glasgow and supporting yeah, rangers, yeah, and you found yeah, alcohol. So That's the, a surprise. The idea of further education was out the window. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I always had that that artistic um, interest. Um, and just drawing was something I always wanted. I just continued to do and started drawing my own flags, and it just kind of started going from there. I was doing it, building my like those freebie websites that you get. That was like the yeah. first that I, first website that I had, um, and then just that was how I started making contacts with a lot of different people because I was doing various things. So guys like David were doing his Otterburn range at the time, and he's like, "Man, I need flags." For these guys, would you be interested yeah. in doing them? And since then, me and David were really, really good friends. Mm. Paul Empress was like, "Oh, I need flags for the Spanish Civil War and stuff." So I'm like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do." So I've, I've, I now have a lot of these guys within the hobby who mm. I make their flags for them. Um, you no, know, some ones that I don't even sell. Um, I just do them directly for those guys to sell on their website. To support, no, the way I see it is I'm supporting their ranges as well. Yeah. Um, I do flags for um, like North Star as well. So just all these various different ones. Try and I try and help them. And ultimately, sometimes you know, sharing a, a, set, a state, you know, working with these guys helps me because it gets me noticed too. Yeah. Uh, so what's the, just take us through then the process of you come up with an idea or somebody gives you an idea for a flag. How does that go from uh, a seed in your, in your head to bang printed in a, in a sheet and, and away? Well, it depends. obviously there's a lot of generic flags you can get away with. Some of the medieval ones are obviously a lot easier and stuff, you know, getting arms of certain knights and stuff. You can put simple, um, some of them are the harder ones. Um, American Civil War is crazy because there's so much research because they were issued so many different flags at different parts, yeah. times of the war. So you need to try and get them right. Um, no, and you can you can 
it, it's amazing how upset some can get if the flag isn't like, that flag that they had at Gettysburg, and you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't know there was such a huge issue. So you, yeah, <laughs> so you, 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 sometimes you need to get it right. But the the problem is, in, in a lot of these periods, so much isn't known about so many flags. They were either captured or they were destroyed before they yeah. could be captured and certain things like that. Um, the, the English Civil War. So a lot of the stuff that we know about flags from those periods are from the losers. Yeah. Because their flags were captured and then documented, but the, the winners didn't lose their flags, so they weren't documented. Um, so there's a lot of royalist flags. There's a lot of the Covenanter flags that they lost at Dunbar and Worcester. Try to get the, the some a lot of the other stuff. It's, it can be quite difficult. Um, so I, I, sometimes we will come up with just conjecture ideas because mm. what you have is people. No, people might go. Well, how do you know that that's a flag? I say, well, I don't know, but I've I've used certain logic to come up with a what I think that flag could have looked like, um, and went with it because people want flags. That's it. Simple. No, are you going to you got to say? Well, I've got this unit, and no one knows what the, the no one knows what the flag looked like, so they're just not going to have one. It, no, it's not going to look as nice on the table, is it? No, exactly, so. exactly. So, um, I take it then that you that you have to do quite a lot of research. Yeah, is, sometimes yeah. depending on the periods. Yeah, it yeah. can be it can be quite. It can it can take up a hell of a lot of time, as my wife will say, far too much time. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so do you, do you have a large large collection of books that you yeah. can dip I, into? Well, like, like recently, I was doing some of the Italian stuff for yourself, and as I say, you can end up going down an absolute rabbit hole. Um, I know I'm I'm learning how to search for things in different languages. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that. Because so like a lot of this stuff you you won't get. Like the the Spanish is is really particular um, in terms of most of all their stuff isn't documented in English. It's very much documented in yeah. Spanish, um, yeah. and it's similar with the Italians. You can type in Italian, uh, no, Italian Wars of Independence flags, and you don't find much. No. But if you start searching these things in Italian, you find far much more. And then no, and it. I I was looking at it recently, and I got some interest in flags um that I, I would hope that I'm going to bring to the range and it's 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 certainly like what they would say that the papal infantry and stuff are using. Um so it's try to get it's try to get those and you know searching for things like Thirty Years War in German or Swedish. You yeah. find a lot more searching for French flags in French obviously. Um you, you, you do tend to get a bit better hits on the internet. Um contacting various different museums and stuff sometimes they're not always willing to give the information because obviously i'm trying to sell a product but sometimes they do um contacted the military uh, museum in vienna um a few months back when i was wanting to do the seven years war war austrian succession austrian flags and they were able to give me the what they have they they basically say that there's no flags in storage that have um, the, what the Madonna looked like for that period, because everyone yeah. kind of sees what the Madonnas looked like yeah. on the Napoleonic, the, well, the, the French Revolution period that through the Napoleonic and say, oh, it, it would have been similar, but the artwork they sent me was totally different wow. from what anyone else was doing. Yeah. I was like, well, I've I've hit a gold mine here because I'm going <laughs> to, so I've I've done a flag that no one else seems yeah. to do for that period um try to contact recently the 
um, the, the military museum in um, Holland as well, well, in Amsterdam, but um, to get the the Washington Succession flags for the Dutch, but they don't know anything about them. The, the <laughs> There's a whole load of Dutch flags, and I'm started to replicate them. But these these flags are only known because they were captured by the French. But the French right. never documented who they took them from. So right. only way that you can kind of understand or kind maybe try and attach them to certain units is because certain units came from the different states. Yeah, it's part of the seven provinces. So whether it's Utrecht, Holland, you can a lot of the flags have the shield emblem up in the in the canton so to speak um so you can try and attach it but i was trying to ask the museum do they know much about it and they're like yeah. no <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> that's not much help <laughs> yeah. it's like thanks for that so, thanks for that yeah so i've got all these flags and i'm just basically having to say unknown unit from utrecht captured by the french and then it gives you it gives you the opportunity to go right well i know that this regiment came from Utrecht. I can attach that flag and no one can dispute it. No one. Unless they've got better information than I do. And if they do, by all means, contact me and I can. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you kind of, you kind of mentioned it in passing a little bit there. Um, do you get much, um, bite back from the, the button counters? Um, you know, the, the people who are absolutely, you know, this is, this is wrong and it should be this, this and this. No, yeah, some not not a huge amount. Um, I do I do have some, and as I say, you get these guys. Oh God, no! You, I need the exact flag as it looked like for this battle in eighteen sixty four, and I'm like, oh, do you know exactly what it looks like? And they could maybe send you like a tiniest little image, <laughs> and you, you can't pick out any detail from it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I can't do anything with that really i can't really i can't see from that what it is or maybe it's a painting period painting or something or so you get the you get like i was trying to do the 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 irish um, renaissance battles no the elizabethan wars and they they have a a number of woodcuts but to understand what the flags 100 percent looked like it's not that easy so you kind of some artistic license, but yeah, you get you get some every now and again. But I, my, my, I just go well. If someone else has that flag, you can buy that off them. It's by all means yeah. go and get it. Yeah, I think I think you have to have a pragmatic approach to. Yeah, I don't get upset to, pe- it. to people like that, and and I I get it quite a lot with figures and figure painting and stuff like that, and and especially with the you know the Italian stuff I'm doing at the moment. I'm running blind with a lot of this stuff because there isn't a lot of information out there yeah. in English. And you kind of, you're guessing a lot of stuff. You're using figure ranges that aren't particularly designed for it. Oh, well, you've got that belt, uh, belt buckle wrong. Have I? <laughs> well, it's, I actually get, I get more of it with my figures than I do my flags. And, yeah. and it, the worst of it is a lot of the time it's, incorrect information yeah no they, they're coming to me with incorrect information because i've done a lot of research in terms of the the figure range that i've done for the jacobites especially and especially the highlanders and everyone has this um idea that there's all these hairy ginger warriors fighting um but it it, it wasn't you no know, people going where's all your guys with the beards it, it wasn't a popular thing in 1745 so um one of the big things with the 
there was a, a, a group, there was a, a set of sketches done called the Pennycook Sketches, and it was a guy quickly sketched like the Jacobite army oh, in right, Edinburgh, yeah. Yeah. and not one of them have a beard. And there's oh, all this documentation. Um, there was there was a one of the Jacobite captains was introduced to the prince, and um, the prince was offended because the guy had been travelling for a couple of days to come, um, and it got introduced to him. But they hadn't had time to shave. He just had like a, a five o'clock shadow, and the prince was offended that oh, wow. this man would be introduced to him in such such a manner. Um, and his response was supposedly it may be fictional but it was sorry sorry sire but you've got a you've got an army of an army of men not boys kind of thing um so that, this kind of information tells me that well beards weren't a thing maybe in the 1600s the english civil war period the highlanders may well have had that i'm not going to dispute that that one but in 1745 it certainly wasn't so i get more of it with the figures than i do the flags yeah have you ever have you ever come across a flag that's been so detailed that it's you've just not been able to to capture everything? Oh, yeah, yeah I, I, there's some there's some that I just don't touch. I'm just like <laughs> no. Um, Paul Paul Empress has always wanted me to do flags for his. Um, he, he, a couple of years ago, he bought, he bought the Russell Japanese War. Yes, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, but have you ever seen these Russian flags? They're they're pieces of art, and it's right. way way out of my depth in terms of what I could do because these are they've got all these um um you no know, religious symbols of Jesus and you no know, orthodox style Jesus Christ on them. Um, so I'm just kind of like, no, Paul, that's I can't, I, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but he keeps asking for a range, but I'm just like, no. No, no, you're not going to do it. <laughs> it would just, it's, it, it, you, no, it's, it's all about this. You, you need to, ba- I just, goes back to what you were saying earlier on, balancing things out. I have a, a young family. I work full time. Yeah. I've got this website. I try and keep, try and do as much for my own hobby as I possibly can as well. So there's, I don't get to draw as much as I probably would like, despite having such a huge um, range. I would love to have more. Yeah, and do you do you produce them all yourself? Yeah, yeah, and, and do you, do you do you kind of keep stock, or is it print to order? Print to order. There's that many flags. I just couldn't. There's no. There's no point. I've got. I've got a good system. I've got a good setup. In the way that I do it, um, and it's always one of those things when you go to shows, you you, you never know what to take. So you <laughs> take you take certain flags, and as I say, somebody will turn up and go, "Do you have this regiment?" You're like, "No." Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you, you try and always say, so I'm going to partisan and I'm trying to say, if you want certain flags, tell me and I will bring them with me um, because I won't have everything and the chances are I probably won't have that yeah. one regiment that you need. <laughs> <laughs> so so one one of the thing that's one of the things that I, I like about your stuff um is is the quality. Um both in terms of the detail and um, in terms of the paper that you use, so how important of that is is that to you, and and, and how, why did you choose the specs that you've gone for with the stuff that you sell? Um, I think it's kind of the, the way that I am as a person. Um, I, I want to make sure that um, what I'm doing is worthwhile and mm. people like it. Um, you know, I'm not not looking for praise, but I want people to say I've bought something. And yeah. it's, it's good. Yeah. It's good quality. Um, no, I'm not. 
I'm not the best businessman in the world. Mm. No, I'm not kind of you know, moving along, trying to make a business and learning as I go over the years. Um, so this, 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 the, the website's never been anything about me making money. No, yeah. I don't. I, t- I don't take anything out of the business. I, I work full time, and no, I the website can't. Have, I couldn't switch from taking my full time job away and doing the, the website full time, um, just with everything in terms of my family and stuff. So, but I, I just basically put it in back into the, the business, and that's why I started the figure range because the flags started to become more and more successful. And um, if you run a business, it's, it's not always easy to say, "Well, that's just I'm taking that money." It's, it doesn't yeah. work like that. So it's like, what do I do with it? Right, I can start figure range. I can just continuously build, and that's why I do the the kickstarters because I can get them out there. People can give me the money, and all I do is I just transfer that back to my sculptor to say, "Right, here's the next, <laughs> here's the next batch I want you to do." Yeah, um, and just continuously keep building a range. And one day I might have a, I might I might be able to go full time, but I don't see it anytime you soon. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Well, um, just in terms of flags, then, um, what have we got planned for the future? Have you got anything? <laughs> um, I'm looking above me the new. I've got like all my post-it notes. What have I got? I've got a whole suite of English Civil War that I've been doing. That I've never released. Um, it was a whole load of new stuff. What else have I got? Saxony for Napoleonic Wars wow. and infantry, um, and the the flood in Eng- the English mm. um, flags for flooding. So the, the those big long pennon pennons that you, the English were carrying at the battles. Um, got a whole load of them. There's loads up here. More more. Try to get more of the the war washing succession stuff. Um, Ready because for the, range. the He's not started work on it, but my sculptor's got on the list to start doing the Hanoverians. So not as we would, as many people try and say with the Hanoverians in terms of the the British army and the, during the Jacobite rebellion, it's not them. It's actual the Hanover troops. Um, so try to get them, um, and they're they're quite detailed. Those flags. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you seen it? Them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that will take that will take some time for me to recreate them because I've got all of these different various flags with these big lions and all that on them. So it will be quite a quite a, a lengthy <laughs> process to get them. But yeah, I've got I've got loads of ideas. Um, it's just always getting the time to do it. Yeah, that's very true. Well, um, a little story that people who are listening might not know is that um, when I was doing my Italian Wars of Independence, I uh, I just put up somewhere that I'd had to print my own flag from somewhere because there wasn't any commercially available. So what did you do? I made you some. <laughs> you made me some. <laughs> well, I was already doing some flags for that period, and it was one of these things I was like, I really need to get the flags for the other. So is it the, the two Sicilies? Yeah. I need to get the flags for them. So there's there's certainly things that I want to add to that period because I've I've always had an interest in it. I thought it's it's quite an interesting it's an interesting war. No for me it was always how um how far wide Garibaldi's name travelled yeah. in terms of him going all over the different going to South America and stuff. So and no his name's remembered far and wide whether it be for the biscuit or interestingly not what's it nottingham forest yeah the the, the red shirts are supposedly for garibaldi's red shirts and yeah 
it's still a nickname that's associated with them to this day. So it's, it, that, that was always interesting. I remember getting one of the Garibaldi figures for, um, for a few years back. I, I keep meaning to paint it. It's not a period I want to actually game, but I, I, it, it takes an interest in when I seen you doing that project. I was like, I really need to get more flags <laughs> added to that. Very true. Yeah, he was. He's, he's definitely a guy that is worth reading up on. He just yeah, turns up yeah. absolutely everywhere, and he's got. He just hates the Pope. He just wants to attack. Right? He, he goes. He, he has like three or four Rome or death projects, right? And he neither. He, he never actually captures Rome. Somebody else does it, and he never actually dies in the process. So the Rome or death he didn't really do any of them. Did they sack Rome? The, yeah, but it was another. It was another. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy now. It was another. Um, general that was in charge right. i can't remember where he was at the time but he wasn't around it's interesting it's interesting because obviously you have everything that's going on in american civil war and it's i think it's it's, it's pretty cool when you see like the zoo abs and stuff yeah and how you know how far and wide that style yeah. Yeah. was going to france italy and america south america and stuff like i always find that interesting as well yeah it was like there was um uh you know like a late Sorry, early uh, late nineteenth century version of Instagram somewhere that was sending these, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, um, fashions throughout the world yeah, for some a, reason. It's a peculiar style and how it how it was such an interest. I always found it um, quite strange how the Americans picked up on it and thought, yeah, let's let's run with that style and because it's quite a peculiar style. Um, you can see the French. T- doing it yeah 100 yeah. percent because it's the french um but the, the the others picking it up i always found quite peculiar but it's it's, it's an interesting style i've always I've, i remember painting a unit american civil war perry ones a few years back and then enjoyed painting them um you would think the italians would have done it with sunglasses though wouldn't you and <laughs> <laughs> Investors, yeah, yeah. We go, we the, the two places we go on holiday a lot are Scotland and Italy, and um, I always. Well, my wife's feel, family's from Italy. Yeah, I always feel dreadfully underdressed in Italy when I go over there. Yeah, my wife's <laughs> family stay in, they stay in casino in Naples, so we've been over there a few times. Um, absolutely gorgeous. And absolutely my my, gorgeous. my dad's well, my, my great uncle he fought at the Battle of Casino, so it was always an interest to go there and actually see it and go up to the, the morning stream stuff. So, so nice um, you, you, we've we've, uh, we've talked about your flags uh, and we've, we've, we've touched a little bit on the figures, yeah. um, but what was the what was the thing that made you went, right, I'm going to do some figures? What was the... Can you um, remember what the drive was, what the initial... It was, it was, it was, a, it was a, the interest in the period for the 1745, especially. Mm. Um as I say, my dad, my dad, it was always my dad giving his, his, his upbringing and uh, that he always had an interest in the 1745. And yeah, I remember going as a kid to Culloden and stuff. And then, as I say, buying these like, call to arms, 54 mil mm. figures, um, trying to paint them horrendously. Um, and then when I got older, I remember buying, I did like a couple of units, the, the front rank ones. Um, but I always found because they were, I think they were sculpted roughly about when I was born. Yeah, <laughs> the, they've been around the, yeah. in the early eighties, and I, I was kind of like, I got to a stage I was just kind of like, I would, I would like to do some Jacobite figures and I'll paint them, and then it, Graham coming, Grand Tara actually had them, but again, I wasn't always necessarily keen on that slender type 
looking figure. Yeah, they they have a very distinctive style. Yeah, don't they? and it was just by chance that I I was I was no I painted many figures over the year for the English Civil War and it was always Nick Collier's figures mm. that I loved painting. Yeah, and I always went I really like these. You no, know, whether it was the stuff that he was doing for Renegade or whatever, and I was like, I, 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 by chance I got Nick's email. And I yeah. emailed him saying, look, I'm interested in getting a range. I think I actually asked him to do some of my, my Street Wars figures first. Yeah. And he did. Um, he sculpted the very first one that ever went into production. Um, and then it was just like, what are you doing with some Jacobites? And he's like, I love <laughs> he's like, I love the period. And it just kind of went from there. Oh, fantastic. Um, fantastic. Now it's the biggest um, range for the Jacobites in the hobby. So just before we dive down the Jacobite, rabbit hole um you mentioned the the gangs is it gangs of yeah. New York? um is yeah, that yeah. is that based on the warriors film i'm a mad warriors fanboy that, yeah yeah i have i have I, you can't see but i have an arm tattoo yeah of one of the characters from the movie i've been over I to I go over to new york i've been to the scenes where they did the various parts of the film um we even went when i was over I was in the, the Empire State Building and I had a Warriors t-shirt on and it's an yeah. amazing amount of comments that you get just having such a thing in New York. Guys like, oh, love it. And um, I actually had, when we were wait, me and my wife were waiting in the queue to get into the Empire State Building and we were getting, everybody's getting their bags checked and I could see one of the security guards like totally scoping <laughs> me. And I was like, oh, what, what, why, why is this guy keep staring at me? Yeah. And then um, he, he, I could see him and he turned around to this other security guard. This guy's like, I'm 6'2", and this guy's like 6'6", or something, this security yeah. guard. And he taps him on the shoulder, and he looks down at me, and I was like, right, something's going wrong <laughs> here. And then this big security guard out of, like, there's, there's at least 20 people in front of me in the security, and he starts shouting, the Warriors did it, the Warriors did it. <laughs> um, and then the, 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 the initial security guard told me all the, his... Um, as a kid going to see the film in 1979, yes. it was it was a film before I was even born, but I remember seeing it when I was young, and I, I fell in love with it. And um, I've been, I actually went down to Birmingham to meet all the cast from the wow. movie, got them to sign all my memorabilia. So it, it's a heavy, a big big influence is the movie and doing these wacky and zany type New York 70s gangs. Um, and trying, to, no, I'm not trying to. It's obviously a horrible thing with the gangs, and you, you don't try and make it seem nice, but it, you know you kind of it's a bit of fantasy I can yeah. touch with it. So like I've got the guys with the the big afros and the, the all the kung fu outfits and stuff. Um, so there were, I, doubt, I doubt there, were, there doesn't seem to be anything. I've researched on the real gangs. Doesn't seem to be any gangs like that kicking about at <laughs> the time. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's. It's a uh, fantastic. I, I. I remember distinctly. I hadn't seen it. Um, and about fifteen. 20 years ago I was on a night shift and we we went into back into the office and um, somebody just magicked it up out of the bag and said this is my favorite film yeah um, it's awesome shoved it in the V8 the, the video player not even the, the DVD it shows how long ago it was um, and and watched it so that's how I, I think I that's how I'd seen it as a kid I think it was that like a late night movie 
Yeah. Um, and then so it's got a massive following, hasn't it? It's, yeah. Um, it's got a big, big cult following. It's one of those films that um, a bit like the Princess Bride, where it, it, it was kind of, it kind of really didn't do anything when it came out. Yeah. Somehow, well, it's, it's just bang. It was actually removed um, from the cinemas in America. Was it? Yeah, it was wow. pulled because, as I say, that security guard that I was speaking to, he told me, but I already knew the story. And what, what had happened is he asked, he was, I think he said he was at roughly about 14 or 15, and he asked his mum if he could go and see it, and she said no, yeah. um, because it was all about these gangs, and obviously it was a big, big thing in New York at the time, um, quite dangerous city. And she said no, but so he, he sneaked out the house and went to the <laughs> cinema. But what was happening in New York and LA and, and Chicago and all that, it was the real gangs were going to the movie. Yeah. And they were watching it and then they were all getting like oh, built up and like yeah. when they were going outside and then they were like, Oh, you are on the wrong territory and fighting and a, a riot broke out outside the cinema and um a photographer took a photo and the boy, the security guard, was in it. And his mum oh, right. his mum his mum saw him in the newspaper oh, <laughs> saying shit. I told you you were to go and see that. Um oh, so wow. but yeah, it, it was in it was in the cinema a couple of weeks and then got pulled. Yeah. Um wow, and then that. that I think that added to the cult cultness of the film. And then it's it's just got numerous one liners. Yeah. Um, that it, became it, no it, it that that's kinda what made it and people quote you no know, people quote so much from the film. Yeah. And it's, it it's absolutely brilliant. And and it seems to me that the stuff that you make is stuff that you love. There's there's yeah. a there's a very much a, yeah. a personal uh, input going into these ranges, uh, and obviously the the, the Jacobite range. Um, you were up at the battlefield, were you? I think I saw on social media not that long ago. Um, no, I've not. I've not been up at Culloden. Oh, have um, you not? Uh, not 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 in the last. Um, I think it was two years ago was the last time I'd went up. No, no, sorry, I lie. I took I took a couple of friends up um, a year ago. Oh. We, took, we, we went up camping. Um, it was two. Not, not they're not war gamers. Um, not not real much interest in history, and I think they were quite dubious about going. They were kind of like, oh, this is going to be a bit boring, and they, they absolutely loved it. Oh, brilliant! And um, I took them up and gave them a little bit of history on the battle. Took we went into the visitor center. It's got a really good visitor center. Yeah, I've been um, that's great. And I yeah. took them around the battlefield. Took them where I always go. If, if, I've sometimes put as my profile pictures where the McDonald stone yeah. is, where, where the Kepuck stone, and we take up the McDonald flag and we put it out at that section and um, take them around and tell them all the story of how Kepuck and stuff died and um, just they, they, they loved it. So I've not I've not been up. I never went up for the anniversary there um I, sh- I really should have because it was a big the big one was missed the, the year previous um and the but the Falkirk one's just not that far from Glasgow oh either. yeah yeah so it's yeah. just along the road yeah that's good so is your range now the range of figures that you've got does it cover everything that's that was there um the French most yeah, most of what was there. Um, there's still stuff that I'm working on at the moment. So my sculptor's actually doing stuff right now. Um, and what he's supplying is more. Um, we, we do lowlanders, um, which most people probably always forget. was They made up more than half of the army. So it wasn't mm. by, by the time of Culloden, 
the majority of the army were lowlanders, so they wouldn't have been dressed in the, the kilts or anything, or, or the full plaid. Um, so I've got, we, we have lowlanders at the moment charging, but I'm actually getting them to do these lowlanders that are just in marching pose. Um, and with them, we're, what, what that will cover is they'll cover the lowlanders. Um, they also cover the, 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 the loyalists mm. units that were supplied by cities like Glasgow, um, Edinburgh and Paisley, um, and they were actually at the Battle of Falkirk as well. Mm. So these were these were guys coming from Glasgow and um, Paisley and Edinburgh, and actually fighting on the side of the government. Yeah, against the Jacobites. Um, so he's, you know, majority, a lot of the, the the government side of the army were Scots as well. Um, and then what it will also cover was the the Manchester Regiment. Mm. So we're doing those guys, and what we're trying to do with them is they can be almost like any sort of English militia if you want to do some sort of fantasy type battles. Um, because when when the, the Jacobite army, the whole the whole thing was that they needed everyone who promised the prince this support. They had to have them come out, and it just didn't happen. It got to Carlisle, and then they got down near Manchester. And the Manchester regiment actually came out in support, but it wasn't. It was. Yeah. It was a very small regiment, um, and nowhere need anything that they needed. And that's hence why they got to Derby and went. We we, we don't have enough. We need to. No no one. Not everyone's came out in support of us that, that we were told, and that was where they, they were supposedly being told that. They're not going to support you unless you have the support of the French. But there's a whole debate of whether an Englishman would come out and stand next to a Frenchman <laughs> in terms of a battle. Um, so they, that was when they obviously turned back and pretty much the Manchester Regiment were left to their own devices and a lot of them didn't get a good fate when they were all captured at Carlisle. They, they, they handled the, the retreat and um, when they were captured, they didn't didn't fare too well from it so the, the, these are the figures that he's doing at the moment um, we, we, and then from that there isn't much else I need um, I'm trying to do some more character stuff um, try to get like the little dioramas on the table and the yeah. face little I, I, I like to see little different parts of a battlefield having these little scenes happening whether it's like you know casualties getting amput legs amputated or various camp scenes women you know, civilians watching it because it's one of the big things that they talk about with battles these days is the locals coming out locals come out like, in the- <laughs> like, a, like the cinema um, <laughs> and so try to do focus on little things like that and then i think the last piece is really i'll Nick's also doing the, the, the Jacobite cavalry, although it wasn't big, there was some um, elements of the Jacobite um, uh, um, cavalry, so I'm getting them to cover that. But then doing the French cavalry, the French yeah. cavalry actually came over because what that will cover is the, the French cavalry will just cover the exact same for the, the War of Austrian Succession. So it, that's killing two birds with one stone kind of thing. Have you ever thought of putting it on as a display game? Yeah, so that's the aim. Um, the Battle of Falkirk. I had hoped to be further along than I was, um, and we, the, the idea was to try and do it at the Falkirk show, and even if we'd taken it down to one of the shows in England. But that—that that is my aim is to do. Uh, I've, I've, I've got my my own blog on Facebook that I, I, I post all the pictures for my my units that I've got. Yeah. Um, and try and, as I say, try and do both sides. Some guys have kind of spoken to me and said, "Oh, maybe they could." They could help, so there's maybe an opportunity there to try and 
like work, work with someone else or a couple of guys and actually get the game done rather than me just painting everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot was, easier. It's a lot easier yeah, when you get a few people involved. I, it was a good idea, but then it starts to you, you want to paint other stuff, so the project takes a, a stall. It will get done, just not as fast as I hope. Yeah, oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Well, we did uh, it's many years ago now, probably early nineties, mid nineties. We did. Cludden as a display game from Leeds War Games Club. And we brought it up to Edinburgh, which was uh, to Claymore, uh, when it was in the um, the Commonwealth Games Stadium at Meadowbank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we were we were in there with it, and that was that was interesting. Um, and like you were saying, that um, a lot of the government forces were Scots. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and nobody nobody ever came up to us and said, "Oh my." ancestor was in this regiment and pointed to a government oh. regiment <laughs> Every- the, chan- the chances of their ancestors being on the side of the Jacobites either was very slim yeah no I'm, I'm, I know we, we've researched our family my family didn't take part we, my family came from a, a really small island called Col yeah um, and that's next to Tyree um, and we know that they, they never no one on the island actually came out in terms of the rebellion, but it's always one of these things that you get is so many people. Yeah, my my ancestor fought Claude, and, and I always I always find it interesting. No one's ancestors were ever just like the guy that made the bread. Yeah, they were all or charging the in that, the front line with a huge. The guy that had yeah, the guys that had to dig the latrine holes. No, they were never yeah. those guys. They were never ever those guys. They were the guys that were captured at yeah. mid battle and sent to America. And you're like, no, yeah. no. Not having that because th- th- <laughs> there wasn't that. No, in terms of a, a battle, it's not that big. Um, it's a good, a good book by Murray Pittock. Did and it's, a, it's an analytical book in terms of the rebellion. It's yeah. called the myths, myths of the Jacobite Rebellion, and he tries to put it into perspective. He's not, he's not going for one side or the other, but what he's trying to do is put it into numbers um, and dispel some of the myths that people come up with. No, um, a Jacobite army's. Um, a, a medieval army charging into a modern army with muskets. These guys have got swords and shields. And he's like, well, no. Actual after the battle, there was two, roughly about two and a half thousand muskets lifted yeah. from the Jacobite army. That, that was more than half of the army on the day. So, what about where's all these guys that had all these swords? No, there was, I think yeah. it was something like 140 um, broadswords lifted. So. It's one of these things. A broadsword. It was a lot to make, so it was like a pride to have such a thing, and it cost a lot of money. So your average guy wasn't going to have that. And the the Jacobite army, after pressing pans, um, and then all the shipments from the French, they had muskets in abundance. Mm. So what they're going to do? They're going to try and get broadswords made, or they're going to give those guys muskets. And then there's a famous story at the Battle of Falkirk. Um, the the, the the McDonald's giving um, the the cal or the dragoons in volley fire. So learning all these things, that's not a that's not a um, a medieval army that's willing to stand no. and face dragoons yeah. and give them volley fire. And the, the dragoons were sure they they turned about very quickly. Like, oh, <laughs> I, I hope these lads know what they're on about. Yeah, <laughs> we thought they would run. <laughs> so that that's what Pittock's book tries to do, and it. What he does is he talks about in terms of you know the Covenanters and how many men came out, and then in comparison to the the population at the time, a hundred years before it, and then doing the exact same 
um, in the 1715, which was probably the biggest supported of the rebellions, um, but it was a complete and utter disaster in terms of organisation. But the, the army was huge in comparison to what they had in 1745. It, at its strongest on the field is probably about five thousand, five and a half thousand men. Yeah. That's not yeah. a lot. Yeah, and um my overarching memory of that battle was because I played the Scots all the time and we never we never got into close combat. We were we were we were using a set of rules it was a, a computer moderated set of rules um from a company called English Computer Wargaming. And I think yeah. they might have been a little bit biased because I, I just every we, we we like set up a show and it was a fantastic looking game with twenty eight mil figures, really nicely sculpted terrain uh, and everything. Um, and we like ten o'clock doors had open. I'd set off, order all my men to charge the government lines, and we'd never got there. Yeah, you know, about five or six five or six attempts, never got there. Mark was talking about it on the last podcast in terms of going in um, Waterloo and. Know, looking at the terrain when you're actually on it, when you go to Culloden and what they are trying, what they say at the centre is that they have tried to make the field as much like it was then, and then when when you're actually there, when you stand at the lines where the jacobite was, you can't see the other side. Yeah, the, the, it's a complete no-go zone in terms of <laughs> actually want to walk across it and you're going these guys had to charge over it you're like it's insane and how it's it's one of these things how do you even game that there must you have to put in the rules that, that heavily weighs against and are you ever going to win it i don't think you could i think i don't think you could i think you could fight it a hundred times and never ever win yeah well i i, I can definitely say i fought it six times and not got anywhere near <laughs> so <laughs> at, le- at least the right wing the, the right wing of the jackalite forces did get near they, yeah. they actually got absolutely obliterated but yeah they, they got yeah. near they, they smashed through the line yeah. and then got shot again <laughs> I, i've tried i've tried um so um you've 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 gone from the jacobites to the war of austrian succession as we've covered a couple of yeah. times um so what was the what was the draw for that one i mean there are natural ranges progression. Out there. yeah natural progression. Yeah, yeah there's only a few that actually cover the war of austrian succession there's, there's, there is differences between that and the Seven Years' War. Minor differences, but yeah. certainly differences. No, my French don't have the collars and they don't have the turnbacks the same way that they do in this, the Seven Years' War. Um, so I'm trying to make sure that I cover exactly you know, what it should be. Um, and pe- people keep trying to sway me towards certain things from the Seven Years' War. And I'm like, no, no. People are like, oh, we want our French grenadiers to have the... the, 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 yeah. the, the the Grenadier um, caps for the Seven Years' War. I'm like, but they wore just tricorns and they wore Austrian succession. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 trying to stay true to what it is. Um, and it, it's potential to be a huge range. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, um, a just, of, there's a lot yeah. to cover. There's a lot it's, to cover. There is. But I'm, I am just trying to focus on certain battles. Um, so mo- mostly around um, Fontenoy. Um, so that I can that that allows me to focus on that, and then I don't I don't know if I will go out with that. So I'm trying to cover the British, the French, um, the the Hanover troops, and the Dutch troops, and that I can get the focus. I have had the the, the idea that I can maybe um, do the Austrians, um, but I'm not too sure. I've I've only got I've got I've got. A, a fairly big house, but it it's taken over and over, um, and I've just got like, just boxes and bo- like piled 
like the, the the bits boxes that you get yeah. for the known for a, like a garage or whatever. So it's just all of these, well, the packs of figures. It's it's, it's a good setup, but uh, I, I don't have mass abundance of space. And as I say, I, this is pretty much a, a hobby job. I do it. I work nine to five, Monday to Friday. When I finish. I do all my orders or whatever. No, I get the kids all sorted. Then I do my orders, get them out, go to the post office. Um, so I don't really have the option of putting it in another, no, rent yeah. a, a, a space because I'm not doing it full time. Yeah. I would need to be there during the daytime to, to do uh, something. Uh, like are, you on, are you on the first floor? Is it all stored on the first floor? No, you're going to talk about the, 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 <laughs> the way. <floor>. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, we're, we're actually thinking about getting my garage converted into uh, like an office for yeah. the, ah, the, right, the yeah. hobby, well, my business. Um, yeah, I, th- I, because... thought I'd, I thought I'd get some more work for our War Games roof support. Yeah, no, no, not the roof supports. <laughs> I've been we're working in the bank. I've been I've I've been working um, from home for the last two years. Yeah. I've been into my office in Edinburgh twice, so no, wow. um, it's. <laughs> It's pretty much, pretty much, and that's pretty much going to be the case going forward. So, the, the idea is that maybe we should convert the garage, use it as my my, my hobby business and my, my working from home. Yeah. Um, and then my, I think that's because the wife has aspirations, and my two boys getting this as a playroom as well. Yeah, there'll, there'll be a there'll be a side <laughs> side project. So, um, th- we've got one more we've got one more range to, to talk about. We do, we do, and um, this is the Border Reavers range, and yep. uh, you, you you sent me some of those figures to paint up, and I have to say they're absolutely gorgeous. They are, um, they? but yeah, yeah, they are amazing. Um, but I, as I've said, I'm not going to get it's, it's a bit skirmishy for me. Yeah, the border I get Reavers. Um, so um, I don't know if you've seen these these painted figures are going to be auctioned off for charity. Um, it, many years in the 1980s, there was a big fire at Bradford City, and, and people were were 56 people died, and yeah, as, a, as a result of that, um, the Burns Unit in Bradford is now one of the world leaders in research into um, treatment for burns. So I'm going to auction those off. For, sure, let for, me know the, the links to them, and I'll I'll be promoting them online. Yeah, on so, so hopefully that goes well. So Border Reavers, um, where did that come from? Um, where's it going? <laughs> um, Basically, my, my, my middle name is Care. Um, yeah. My dad's stepdad was a Care. Um, and my dad always kind of brought us up with a little bit of knowledge on what the clan Care was. And it's a big border family. Yeah. He's a big border clan. And you know, we would have all these these little stories. I don't know if you've known in terms of the Care castles and you know, the, the spiral staircases going anti-clockwise. Yeah. Because they were all left-handed, or as as my dad and a lot of Scottish people would call them, as Corey handed, yeah, or Corey handed. Um, basically, you're, you're left. They tend to be left-handed. Um, so I always had this kind of little knowledge of them um, as a kid. Um, and then when I, I had an interest in them, I remember painting them a few. Did a I did a game up at um, Kirriemuir a few years ago using the old Jim Bowen figures. I think it's now owned by Hawkeye. Yeah. Um. At the time, it was Graham coming at Crantar. It was selling them, and I remember buying them and painting them all up. And I, I actually had a table next to Graham, and we, we put on this game. But there, there wasn't um any real rules. Mm. 
available. Um, there was a, a couple of free rules from War Games Illustrated and stuff, I think Bloody Borders it was called, mm. and we kind of used a little bit of that and mixed it with some other stuff and came up with a set. Um, but it wasn't until um, I started doing the Street Wars stuff with the gangs, yeah. and it was just like... <laughs> Bother Reavers, they are just gangs, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're just cowboys and um, gangsters in the 1500s. No, people, and it's interesting when you start talking about it. People are like, well, we, we, we look at the mafia families and how they yeah. would work, and then you look at the gangs and go, oh, the, the old west and the, the cattle rustling and say, this was happening in Scotland and England in the 1500s. <laughs> no, this. These guys are all doing it way later, but yeah, the, yeah. The, the Northern English and the Southern Scots were doing it way, way before them. Um, so I kind of, I kind of went right. I could, how can I take what I would, what I did with my first set of rules I ever made with Street Wars, mm-hmm. and then take that and wrap it into the the, the Border Weavers, and this is kind of what I've came up with with Border Wars. Feedback so far is pretty good. Um, yeah. We had a number of guys playtesting them, um, tweaks along the way. Everyone's loving the figures. It's a lot of pressure getting a new range out, yeah. um, especially a new set of war games rules because you never know someone's just going to pick it up and say they're absolutely rubbish. <laughs> it's yeah. just like so you you have that you have the fear that someone's just going to annihilate them. Um, but I don't I don't I think. I think you know, anyone that I play, maybe they're just humbling me that say they're good, but mm. I hope that I hope that they are. And the, the figures are great. Um, I, I I got a guy on board, Rob Rob McFarlane, um, who who used to work for Games Workshop, and mm. he does a lot of the War Games Atlantic stuff as well. Okay, yeah. Um, and I was he's, he's doing them digitally. Yeah. So it was digital sculpting, and I wanted a digital range to try and mm. move into that whole new mm. way of. Um, bringing out miniatures and I asked him and he did one of the miniatures for me and I absolutely loved it and I, yeah. I got him to do a whole range we've got so much coming out what what everyone's seeing is just a small part of it because it, it, the rules is what was held, holding it up I wanted to get in a place that was, I'm comfortable that the rules are good and people are going to enjoy them yeah. I've got these figures I've got mounted figures I've got the, the footed figures I've got the characters I've got like the Black Adder characters and stuff try to do little scenarios with them um, try to do the, you know, he's the Queen's Envoy he's been sent by Elizabeth up to Edinburgh to deal with to give James money to buy some ships to help in the, Sp- the, the pending Spanish Armada coming towards them. Yeah. So I'm trying to fit a little bit of different things into it. But then I'm actually got, I've actually got them sculpted. Um, the the Irish, you know, the gallow glass and the cairns and stuff in the Elizabethan period. I've got a whole new, um, a whole load of stuff like the small kids pretending that they're border reavers, march wardens. <laughs> and I've got it. Um, I always laugh at how the, the Border Reavers are quite literal in some of their naming conventions. Mm. You know, the, the leader of the, the, the family is called the Headman, you know, the Headman. Yeah. Um, the, the, the guy that looked after the, the cows was called the Herdsman. <laughs> the guy that looked <laughs> after the dogs was the Houndsman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I've got these guys. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get these guys. I've got a, a, a nice fire and brimstone minister, like a John, a John Knox style yeah. minister. Yeah. He's got the Bible in one hand and a sword in the other. Oh, he's defending. Um, he's defending his church against the the heathenist border reavers who didn't yeah. seem to have much in terms of religion. Just 
Money. Money. Money and <laughs> Money and blood. Money and blood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would never have guessed that they were, I thought, um, they were computer sculpts, uh, to be honest, that, um, having painted them up. Because um, I've he's done a great job. Yeah, he's, yeah, I mean, I've I've been in I've been in I've been in this game for a long time, lad. Um, and I I have to say I was very very impressed. As soon as I, as soon as I saw them, I thought these are going to look really good. And yeah. then I, paint, that, I painted it, them it, up, and I went, I was right. It's quite <laughs> an ex, it's it's a lengthy and expensive process. Yeah. Um, because I've I've got I've got Rob doing the sculpts, so he gets me in the sculpts. Mm. I then deal with um. Alan, he does the white white dragon miniatures. It's the mm. modern, um, the modern combat figures. I think we okay. discussed it on the show before. Yeah. Um, he does the, the modern figures for like Afghanistan and stuff. So mm. he's got this super three D printer, and you can see behind me, I've got two three D printers. But the the I can get good quality from mine. This guy gets like expert yeah. quality um so that because the problem you've got is i can tell the difference between what he gives me and what you can't you can't tell with the eye but see when i send it to griffin to get yeah um, casted the, the, the casting process is not for very forgiving and will highlight any minor issues um so my figures can although they look good on the eye um, the stuff that the prints that are going into production are far better than the, the, a lot of the stuff that I can do. And the, the, I'm over the moon with the figures, but as I say, it is, a, it is an expensive process, and that's that's where you start to feel the pressures because guys are wanting them, but the the rules are holding it up. And as I say, when you get the money, I put it back into getting more. Yeah. But all I'm doing is kind of paying more money and piling up all these sculpts and not getting any money back to it's just like i really need to so the idea is i'm going to go live next month with the kickstarter yeah well i think they're going to be popular because i've i've had a lot of people go oh they're they're really nice can can i I buy them i'm I'm overwhelmed with how big the i've I've got a gaming group and i don't you have a game out yet but it's like 400 members or something so it's it's quite overwhelming in terms of Oh, um, how many? How how much interest there is, and as I say, that that kind of adds the pressure with it. With the gangs, there's not a huge interest. It's a, it's very niche kind of thing, so you can kind of get away with it, and you you're not yeah. disappointing as many people. So you've potentially got disappoint a lot more <laughs> with a very popular range. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's absolutely brilliant, mate, and I, I wish you all the success in the world with it. Um, I think it, I think it will be um, because the uh, the figures are uh, absolute knockout. So I'm I'm pretty sure that you'll get a large amount of people buying the figures for the figures. Well, they'll be on display down at Partisan next month. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Well, um, hopefully I'll see you down there because I'll, yep. I'll be popping in myself and we'll have a we'll have a catch-up chat then. Um, it's been brilliant having you on the show, mate. Um, Thank you very much. I, I always give people a chance to ask me a question at the end, if you'd thought of one. Um, when when are we going to get you back up to Scotland to put a game on at one of our shows? Oh, hey. Well, um, my plan, when this Italian Wars, Italian Wars of Independence is done, um, I it, it might be the last time I do it, but I I intend to do the the rounds with it. So I'm going to come up to um, uh, definitely to Claymore, um, and then uh, Carinades the other one, isn't it? A Falkirk. Yeah. So let, let, let's let's see. But I'm 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 committing to Claymore here. Um, yeah, that's good it, to hear. With it, uh, back, it just like though. the old days, I'll probably be absolutely dead at the end of it. 
but <laughs> it will be it will it will happen uh, uh hopefully this year um because i'm i'm rattling through the figures quite nicely um my um my concern is the terrain because i'm not the i can't get enthusiasm for terrain no i love it oh no it drives me I nuts love it. um so i'm not great at painting it I, I'd, I'd rather buy stuff off yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i don't seem to be able to paint it that well yeah same um, but i love me. i love seeing it i love looking at it yeah. i have a real interest and I, and I, I want i want a really really good table to go with the figures yeah. so uh, it might get delayed a little bit until i can get that sorted out uh, so we shall see well thanks once again ian and no uh, it's you. been great having you on the show so just say good night to everyone good night and from me good, good night <laughs> and it's good night from me <laughs> That was a lovely chat with Ian. I uh, hope you all enjoyed that. And uh, you'll certainly have learned something about fish and chips, which I did, and uh, about the Battle of Culloden and uh, Ian's great ranges, his flags, etc. Um, and I really encourage you to go and have a look at his stuff. Um, I like on this podcast, if I can, to give some light, some time, some uh, airtime to the smaller manufacturers and um, there's a lots of people like Ian who run their own companies who produce absolutely high quality top stuff um, that uh, you know you need to go and check out. So uh, thanks for Ian for coming on the show and being a guest uh, I forgot to ask him about his social media stuff um, so it's all quite simple within it's all flags of war so um, if you go on Twitter he is at flags of war his website is www.flagsofwar.com and he's down on Facebook as flags of war as well uh, so go and check that out that would be great Next month we are back to a four week month so there's just going to be one episode uh, next month and uh, I've not booked it I've not fully booked it in yet but I'm hoping to be speaking to my old friend uh, Stephen Barker Stephen was one of the first persons that I ever started wargaming um back in the early 80s um back in Cheshire um so um Stephen's gone on to be a historian um he He's a museum advisor, he does battlefield tours, and he's an author as well, um, with a, a couple of books out, one of which is due to be released next month. Um, so, if we can get that arranged, I'll be speaking to Stephen next month. Um, until then, see thee.